Josh Williams here, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 83 for Wednesday, December 12th, 2018. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? 83 episodes in. Man, I talk a lot, huh? That's too much talking from this guy right here. Um, 83 special number, of course, the year of my birth. Do your own math. But I love it. 83 is a special number to me. Very, very special. There's only one 83 you know, before we start putting the hundreds on it, you know, and who knows, maybe I'll be, uh, maybe I'll have long since given up, right? My voice slowly fading from the echoes of time and quit, or perhaps it'll be my heart. My heart will give out and I will not be here to complain at you guys <laughs> and bitch about my week. Oh man, am I ever getting this thing recorded early though? I still have energy. I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep. I was up late and I'll tell you about that later on. Was it for anything fun? Mm, fun to me. Fun for my anxiety. Oh man, feeding my stresses and my neuroses till the wee hours of the morning. Um, Yeah, so it's a welcome onesies. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting. I'm like, I haven't even finished the intro yet and I'm already... I'm already wandering down the neuro pathways of distraction. Uh, this week I'm going to tell you guys some of the promos I did. Uh, I got that chance to do some hangouts, had fun with people that I love to hang out with and spend time with. I did an interview, Ooh, but it wasn't a bonus episode interview. No, no, no. Merely, merely an inch. Well, not merely nothing. I was actually, I was absolutely excited to do this fucking interview. Um, and swearing really, Josh, really, you're trying to get a nice, nice, a proper lady on your, uh, on your podcast, doing an interview about a, a more sophisticated topic, and you're going to throw an F-bomb in absolutely needlessly. That's right. Just before, just so everyone who's listening, who may have been drawn here by uh, by my interviewees' uh, traffic from Twitter or whatnot, just to let you know that I do have the occasional swear word that pops out of my mouth. So uh, feel free to listen along to this podcast to get to the part that you're interested in. Um, in the meantime, uh, what else will be telling you guys about? I, I did some gaming this week too, played some, uh, some video games in my downtime and that was, uh, feeding into my, uh, like I said, being neurotic in my, uh, my escaping in these cold holiday times. So, uh, getting right to it last week after the podcast, I actually had a chance on Wednesday. I didn't think I had anything booked for my day and, uh, you know, regular writer into the podcast here, good friend of mine, Chris, uh, him and I had been talking about maybe getting together sometime soon now that he lives back in the city. You know, it doesn't take me an hour to drive to him. Uh, you know, we've been trying to, to schedule a hangout. So uh, we did exactly that on Wednesday. Mm. Excuse me. A little fluids here. Keep me, uh, keep the voice all lubed up, right? A little uh, vocal cord oil change. So Chris and I got together and uh, I brought my laptop with me because I had a, I did want to get a fair bit of uh, promo done for the podcast. You know, it's not, it's never far from my mind this year podcast, but uh, I was also excited because um, I had a, you know, another shipment coming from DK that I was very, very excited about. And of course the subject of this week's review and the, uh, the interview itself. So I was kind of like, I want to get my, my, my promo work done and whatnot. Cause I know that Chris was had a few things to do too. So I ended up, uh, while I was at his house actually being on the, the computer for a reasonable amount. Now he was participating with me. We still had fun, but, uh, you know, when you get to a buddy's house at like 10 o'clock in the morning and you're finally closing your laptop at like one to say, okay, I'm done. Let's. Let's hang out now. That's uh, that's that's too much. So I think next time I just won't bring my work and I'll I'll do it at home. You know, you also get things done faster when you're not trying to, you know, 
half half hangout, half do work. That's it just never works. Um, that's why I don't like writing with comics, like at a coffee shop or something like that. You try to get out of the house, get work done, but then you're with somebody you haven't seen in a while. So you end up just, you know, shop talking, shooting the shit, how you doing? And now you're not really getting any work done. You're not really getting into any kind of meaningful conversation either, because you're sort of one foot in one world, one foot in the other. But, uh, so anyways, I mean, having said that, I just will make sure I'm not doing that, but we did put a very fun little promo video on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So if you happen to be one of those people that is actually following the one man podcast, social medias, uh, hopefully you're rewarded with a funny little video of Chris and I making lunch and, uh, and doing a little promo for this interview. So, uh, we had a good time. We actually, uh, Chris uh, and his lovely wife, Rebecca, were actually kind enough to invite me for dinner as well, which is strange. You'd think you'd have had enough of me after like five, six hours, but no, no, let the games continue. Um, Chris is also uh, one of the, Chris is one of the people who's got me into board games by suggesting them from time to time here on the podcast. Of course, I got to see the fabled uh, vacuum cleaner that he got on Black Friday. It looks like, it's weird. It looks like a, a mop with a paint can. I don't know what the hell I'm allergic to, but that was a big sneeze. Um, excuse me. Yeah. It's like, a, it's just like a little stick vac. Like it, it just looks like a paint. Like it's, it's the tiniest little can on the end, you know, like a can of mixed nuts on one end. And then just like a bunch of little, ah, oh, ah, oh, what a waste of money. I'm like, I'm looking at this thing going, that thing was originally 600 bucks. It's like, it's good. It's great. Yeah. I did all my reviews. It's uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> so I had a chance to see everything he was telling me about in the, uh, in the uh, email from last week. And again, thank you for that. Uh, we played some, uh, some board games, which is fun. You know, we, uh, we had a bottle of wine in the afternoon. So we got white girl wasted in the middle of the day on Wednesday. What else? We, we carried his barbecue out from the garage around to the backyard. Chris just moved into a new home. So they're still getting themselves situated and whatnot. So it was kind of fun to do that barbecue in the middle of winter. We had, uh, I gotta tell you, Chris is the absolute best, uh, housewife I've ever met. Chris is kind of like me where he's got, uh, you know, availability during the days he works sporadically during the day. So, um, it was interesting. We, uh, he was showing me all the things he does around the house. So Chris, Chris cooks, Rebecca's gone during the day to work. And, uh, it was just cool because he's got like, you know, we're having hamburgers that he himself made. Right. So Chris gets his own, you know, ground beef and he mixes bacon into it and all that fun stuff. But then he's got one of those like burger, you know, measuring devices that allows you to sort of make your own patties and you stuff them all together into this little container. I don't, I, I, you know, Chris, maybe you can send me an email that describes what it is. Cause I'm sure you'll feel the need to explain <laughs> all the things that I'm misrepresenting on this podcast. But, uh, anyways, we had burgers for lunch that Chris made himself. And then we had pierogies as well. We had uh, a new kind of lettuce that I'm sure you guys have seen before. They don't sell it at Costco, so I don't see it often, but it's like, what was it called? Like Boston lettuce or something like that. It's like these heads that you buy in a plastic container, you know, They're, these heads are way too good to be shipped, you know, wrapped in plastic, like the regular ones. No, no. These ones need like a, like a, a pour molded, uh, a, a, you know, a poured mold, poured plastic mold lettuce container, you know, and they look funny. I don't know. They look, they look silly. They look like a, like a rooted you know, like a big ball of alfalfa sprouts is the roots of these things. But anyways, we had those just, just as the mere lettuce on a burger. No, no, no. Top shelf for the least important thing on the burger. Then he had this like bacon, maple, mustard stuff. And I don't think it maybe had maple in it, but it was like bacon, mustard. It was delicious. The, the burgers themselves are delicious. And then as a side, we had pierogies as well. So we're drinking, uh, we're red wine 
and having these massive burgers with pierogies. Both of us were like holding our stomachs afterwards. So full. Um, but but yeah, playing games, we had a great afternoon. And then of course, dinner time. Oh, let's take out the steaks that they've been marinating for God knows how long. And that was delicious. We had steaks for dinner. I don't can't remember what we had. Oh yeah, we had like corn and potatoes on the sides. But I just remember, I just remember those steaks were goddamn delicious. It was a great time. Great time. And then of course, uh, I had a chance to, to meet the kiddos. I've met them very quickly in passing before, but it was cool because we actually got to talk to them and hang out a little bit that evening. Um, but a great time. And then we played games into the, uh, into the later parts of the evening and then, uh, and then had our tearful goodbyes. It was great. It was cool. I was, it was great to have an opportunity to go hang out with my buddy during the day, someone with just as little to do during the day as I, and then, uh, you know, to an extent, of course, but, uh, yeah, we had, we had a good time. I had a good time with my friends. It was a, it was a great night. And I just wanted to pray the proper respects on the podcast of saying, thank you for having me over. I thoroughly enjoyed myself and, uh, and I looked forward to doing it again. And, uh, Funny enough, on, on Thursday was when my shipment arrived with my books. And I got to say, um, DK, thank you again, as always. I will give a, a, a jolly good proper ass kissing later on when we get to that part of the podcast where I, where I profess from the rooftops my love of DK books. Um, but I got a shipment, DK, tons of great stuff. Super excited. Thank you. Thank you. And um, uh, you know what? I actually have a Yankee candle burning here. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm Yankee candle rich right now. <laughs> And it's, I've burned it several times. And, uh, I think maybe there's like, maybe a little bit of like soot from the old things. I mean, I'm not allergic to it. I've burned it for several times before, but it's, I feel myself getting congested and that's the only thing I can think of that or these Coke, you know, Coke life. The first one I've had in a week or so. Hmm. Ah, well, okay. So, um, got my shipment from DK and I immediately cracked open this week's book. Um, I spent almost the entire day reading it. I have not had so much fun reading a book. And I'll tell you this, the other DK books, guys, I got to read them in little spurts. I, I bring them with me while I'm Ubering. I will, I will, I will go through them. Cause it's not to say that they're, you know, they're not gripping or riveting, but like it's, it, they're interesting, but of course, like, you know, to just tell yourself like, well, this week I'm going to learn about famous battles or this week I'm going to learn about meditation. Like sometimes you're just not in the rude mood to read. And sometimes you're just not in the mood to read a particular subject, but I love their books and I have a commitment to read and review one per week. So I, uh, I do my due diligence to, to get through them. Some of them are so friggin' big. There's just no way. So once, you know, once I start to get into particular second, whatever, you know what? I'm not going to tell you how the fucking sauce is made. All right. Point is these books are goddamn gorgeous. And I, I, I read enough of them. I get as far as I can through them in a week's time so that I can give you guys a proper analysis of the goddamn goodness inside the book. And if that's not good enough for you, well, then you go somewhere else. You know what? Google book podcasts. All right. And you can listen to goddamn book reports. All right. I was a, I was a, a high, I was, I am a high school dropout. All right. You think, you think I was going out of my, my spirit. I couldn't even be bothered to do 10 arithmetic questions when I got home. All right. I was like, Hey, homework. How about you go fuck yourself? I don't see a cop around. Yeah. You're on your own. And then I'd get my D and I'd go, and you're still pushing me forward. Cause you don't want to deal with me again. Groovy. Let's do this next year to the point where I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Since you guys won't fire me, I quit. And I dropped out. <laughs> I think that's how it works. I think that's the very first, like, yeah, you can't fire me. I quit things for school, you know, it's just to drop out because, you know, oh, you're not going to hold me back, huh? Well, just going to keep plowing me through. And then eventually someday someone's going to give me a job and I'll be responsible for something important. You know, be the wrong guy at the wrong job of position, didn't check the right box. And all of a sudden someone's getting injected with something like, like that. Anyone would let me near anything of importance with medical or whatever, but you know what I'm saying, right? 
I'm sure every one of us at some point has been worried about the state of affairs of like, how the fuck did I get on this subject? <laughs> it's fun to run down the, these neurological fucking, you know, dirt roads that my brain will take me on. But can you imagine that? Like that's, that's the things that I think about every time I hear like kids don't fail anymore and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of different arguments and stuff. That's why, that's why kids commit more suicide now. It's not the, not necessarily just the bullying, but it's like the idea of like 15 years straight of zero failure, right? Like automatic expected entitled success, you know, or achievement, let's say for lack of a better term. And then all of a sudden they go out and get a, you know, try to get a job in the world where they, you know, they can't get anything but McDonald's or they can't get a job. They're like, oh my God. And I assume they blow their, that's what I don't need to speculate on that. The point being is that I find that interesting, right? So then you're going to have, you know, I, I at least like the idea that I could fail. You know, I, I failed a lot of fucking tests. I had a math teacher one time for an entire year that every single math test he knew, like I would show up in class and everyone would take out your books and everyone else would take out their math textbook. And I would take out whatever, whatever book I was reading and just read through the class. Like he knew I didn't give a shit. He knew I was going to take my fail, but I showed up. I showed up and every test, just so that I'd get like a mark on it, he'd be like, man, on the back of the test, write a poem on the back of the test, you know, draw a picture, you know? And I remember one time I drew a picture of him teaching the class, but he always always have sweat stains in his armpits. And I drew him pointing at the board with the sweat stains in his armpits. I was really fucking mouthy, you know, thanks. Thanks for the free question point. That's a courtesy to me. Appreciate it. Here's you with sweaty armpits. What a prick. I'm telling you, everyone thinks I'm. You know, everyone's like, oh, you're funny. I'm like, yeah, it took a lot of trial and error. Let me tell you, I put in those 10,000 hours of just being obnoxious. I still am obviously sometimes, but you know, I've learned how to tilt the needle in my favor, you know, to make it better just so it's more tolerable to others. That's what, uh, I spoke with, uh, well, I'll tell you guys a little bit later on. I, I said to Chris on Wednesday and to his wife that evening that Chris is very, very funny. I really find his emails entertaining and well-written, you know, and that he's funny. He should, uh, you know, should try to, to work that muscle, you know? And then I saw them again, uh, the other night I went to hang out with them again. Uh, you know, they weren't doing anything. It was after a, a promo and Rebecca looked at me. She's like this, you know, Chris was telling a couple of stupid jokes and she's like, this is what happens when you tell him he's funny. Like you, the other day telling him he's funny. It, it's been like this nonstop. So I saw them on, uh, on Wednesday and then I hung out with them again on, uh, on Saturday night. And again, good time on Saturday night. We had uh, played some games. Is that a good time? Had some drinky poos. Um, so having said all that about fucking scholastic systems, all I'm saying is this goddamn high school dropout underachiever doesn't doesn't do his homework. The fact that I put my nose in a book and read a lot of it every week is just saying a lot. But the book that I got this week from DK, man, I dove right into it and I did not stop. Now, DK's books always have... Um, a lot of good imagery in them, right? Which is one of the reasons I like them, right? Because I like picture books. I don't know how to read that good. Sorry, something fell off the desk. I got all my little props and things that I use. Reminders to talk to you guys on the desk here. Um, but yeah, like a lot of DK's books, in fact, all of them are very, very um, imagery focused. And this book is no exception. However, the first part of the book is just like a forward. It's it's black on black on white writing right? So it's just black and white. The stuff that basically makes my eyes roll back in my head makes me want to go to sleep. But I was, uh, I was telling you just in the interview and you'll hear this later on in the episode, but I was just saying how like glued to the book I was like, I was just glancing at it first. I figured, okay, I'm going to read the foreword. And I just started reading and reading and I was wicked, wicked into this book 
very quickly and just so fascinated by everything going on. Again, I'll, I'll do this more um, later on, but I spent my whole Thursday reading this thing to the point where in the evening when, when the roommates started to come home, I remember I had read some stuff about uh, the, the movie sideways in it, which is a book, you know, movie about, you know, obviously a big, big characters, but also a lot about wine, you know, two guys in wine country. And, uh, I was talking to Simon about, uh, you know, Simon's got a big movie collection. I was like, Hey man, do you have, do you have sideways? He's like, no, but I thought about buying it the other day. So we ended up, our evening ended up being us driving out to like one of those used DVD stores, picking up the movie, right? Going, we grabbed the, we grabbed the pizza, came back and I, and I drank, uh, I drank a bottle of uh, Santa Carolina Merlot provided to me by my wonderful friend, Vanessa in London, Ontario. Thank you so much. AKA red, my pal red brought me a nice bottle of red wine. Um, and um, for, for those of you who may not know this, um, there's, I'll give you a little, a little, little spoiler for my review later on is um, in the movie sideways, the main character miles hates Merlot. He actually like, like shits on it. Like it's like the shittiest wine. And I would imagine that anybody who maybe when they were younger, like me trying red, probably ended up trying a Merlot and didn't think much of it. Cause it's kind of, kind of light. Like to me, I, you know, I, Merlot is not one of my favorites either. Um, not to say that it's a bad wine. It's just not one of my favorites. It's a very, oh Jesus. I don't want to be a prick. It's a boring to me. It's a boring red. But it works. It's a lot of like a lot of places if you go and there's table wine and stuff, it, it's there. It's on a, it's a lot of house menus, you know, for wine because it's like it's it's you know, it doesn't doesn't take any chances in any particular direction. All right. It is as the young kids would say, incredibly vanilla, but even vanilla's good, right? I'm trying to like I really can't think of it. Anyways, point being is that in the in the book when they were referring to the Merlot section, they had something that they called the sideways effect. So in the movie Sideways, he's he absolutely detests uh, Merlot and is a big fan of Pinot Noir. Now Pinot Noir. So what they're saying is the sideways effects was after this movie was out, uh, there was a huge huge drop in Merlot sales in the United States and a huge increase in Pinot Noir sales. Um because of just this movie and uh, how big the movie was and then what people are like, Oh really? Well, I don't want to be, you know, unsophisticated with wine and stuff. So they started switching to Pinot Noir and, uh, and not Merlot, which in turn forced Merlot, uh, manufacturers and makers to sort of up their game because they're like, Oh, now everyone's looking down their nose at, at our, you know, this particular category. So, um, yeah, there's a little fun fact for you there, but I got that from the book and I decided that uh, since there was only one bottle of uh, Merlot in my uh, collection, um, that I would drink that and watch uh, as a, as a little sort of haha to the movie. Because again, he's he loses his shit. He's like, you know, they're they're, they're meeting these two girls, um, these two ladies for uh, for a dinner, and uh, the one guy talks to him and says, "Listen, we're gonna sit. We're gonna have a nice time with them. You know, if they order Merlot, we're not gonna make a scene." And he goes, "No, no, 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 not at all. If they order Merlot, I'm leaving." I said, "I'm not." drinking any fucking Merlot like that, that mad about, about Merlot. So anywho, um, yeah. So I read the book, Simon and I watched the movie, had a great time Friday. Um, I had, uh, I had the interview, I had the interview with, uh, with the lovely Carolyn Evans Hammond, um, about her book. And I will play that for you guys a little bit later on. And then I got to spend uh, some time. I was hanging out with Crystal, uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening. So I had my, uh, my first, I, 
Crystal said I'd been before, but I really don't remember it. Now I remember that I've been, but I, I, I didn't think I'd been to Red Lobster before. Um, again, not a seafood guy. My regular podcast listeners know that, you know, Crystal and I went out East last year and, and tried stuff fresh from the ocean and still just for, in terms of lobster, not my cup of tea. Now, um, we did have a really, really good meal, uh, you know, coconut shrimps and, and things like that. Uh, and I had fish tacos cause I fell in love with them, uh, this year. So, you know, every, every meal in LA that had tacos, had fish tacos with it, you know, um, as well as whatever else I had. So, um, that was good. And then we watched, um, watched Jim Carrey's show on Crave TV. I don't know if they, where they have it in the States. Again, there's nothing that's, you know, Jim Carrey that's only accessible in Canada, but, uh, it's a, it's, I thought it's called kidding. And it's, I thought it was a, like a children's show. I thought it was like a fun little kid show and it's not, it's a drama about a guy who's, you know, uh, the, the, the Mr. Rogers neighborhood kind of guy of the, of the kid, whatever. He's a, he's a TV personality for children. He's a kid's show host. Jesus Christ. How is that so hard to say? So he, uh, but he's got like a dark inner side. So have you ever seen the movie death to smoochie with uh, Robin Williams and Edward Norton and like kind of, kind of something like that. Like, you know, uh, kids, kids show hosts with, with darks, dark sides and stuff. Watched a couple of episodes of that. I don't have Crave TV, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of it. If you guys have seen it, you know, let me know what you think. Um, but yeah, I did that Saturday. I played a lot of Grand Theft Auto because I didn't have anything to do until the afternoon. I thought I, I fucked up my, uh, my times for the LCBO promo I had to do. So I came, uh, you know, I, I thought when I woke up in the morning, I thought I had to be at work for like 12 so I sort of like, well, I sort of dragged ass. I played a little bit of, you know, Grand Theft Auto there. And, uh, and then I looked and it turned out I wasn't working until four. So I was like, oh, well now I've fucked around all morning. I could have actually could have gone and done something, but now that, you know, I'm only adding two more out, whatever point being is I, I just played video games all goddamn day, uh, until my, uh, my shift. So I would have liked to have been more productive, but I wasn't. And, um, this is where I may lose some of you in terms of interest level, but I I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm a completionist of video games. So when I'm playing a game like Grand Theft Auto, where there's a million things that you can collect and a million things that you can do, and you got to do all this stuff before you can unlock the trophies and stuff. I do it. And I hit a bug, um, in the game where I actually can't complete everything on this particular playthrough. Um, and it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, I missed, a you know, something in the storyline or whatever. It's actually just a bug where something won't trigger and therefore I can't, uh, complete it. So, um, I have spent like a reasonable amount of time lately, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there, but you know, in, in, in those types of games where it's like, you got to go over a certain amount of like stunt jumps, you have to fly under a certain amount of bridges, like just things where you're just basic. It's basically, this is my interpretation of it is you're showcasing the map Everything that these people have done to design a game and design a world where it's just wide open. And you're just like, fuck, somebody designed every last ounce of this. You know, like, I think that they put things like, hey, fly under all these bridges. Make sure you take pictures of all these animals just, just to showcase like, hey, we didn't put a bunch of goddamn animals in the game. So you could just not notice them. So if you want to complete everything, you got to go out there and take a picture of all these animals just to have seen them and experienced where they are to draw you out to those areas of the map right? Fly under bridges that you may not have even known were there just to appreciate the fact that someone designed them, you know, do stunt jumps and things like that. So some of the stuff is designed. Anyways, I I've been doing all that shit. 
They call it uh, the old achievement mop-ups after the game. Once you've completed the main story and things like that, well, now you got to go around mopping up all the stuff that you, you left behind. So that's what I've been doing. And that's why I was up so late last night as I, uh, I'm down to the nitty gritty, the last few things of Grand Theft Auto before moving into the gigantic and vast world of Red Dead Redemption 2. Um Chris, when I was at Chris's house, he was playing it. So he showed me his game and a bunch of the stuff that you can do. So, you know, that's why I'm trying to, to finish Grand Theft Auto. I saved that game for the longest amount of time just because, you know, I was excited to play it. I knew it was going to be fun. And I've waited too long to the point where the next Rockstar Masterpiece has come out. And, uh, you know, I wasn't ready. I, was, I wasn't ready yet, damn it. It's out. And I don't know what to, you know, now, now I got to do all the, the Grand Theft Auto stuff. So... Yeah, and my neuroses last night had me. Yesterday, I spent uh, time going flying under all the bridges and doing the knife flight stuff. So, anyways, just my gamers will know what that is. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of grind. It's basically me sitting in front of my, you know, a computer on one side and the the game on the other, and just watching videos of how to fly under stuff and then repeating it and messing up a bunch of times and screaming at the TV and you know having roommates go, "Are you okay?" <laughs> that didn't actually happen, but that's been me in the past. You know, screaming at the TV, everyone's like, can you just fucking calm down? You really are swearing a lot. You know, do you have to be, why are you so mad? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I, I've had a, I've had a fun week guys. You know what I mean? Like I said, I got to, I got to do a lot of fun stuff. Um, I did the last, uh, you know, LCBO thing where I'm, you know, dressed up like a Christmas elf answering questions about wine, but I'll tell you. Uh, since I had the book, I took it with me and, uh, and I used it to, uh, the good, better, best wines that I'll be reviewing later on. I used that to show people just the glory of this book and, uh, and how to make use of it while you're out and about. I really do think it's a great book and that anyone who has even the slightest bit of interest in, uh, in wine should do this. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I did an event on Sunday for Air Canada, um, and a little couple little pieces of information for Air Canada. I don't want to jinx anything, um, but I, I spoke with someone last week, and I don't know if I told you guys this. I don't know if I applied for it already, but I applied for some jobs for Air Canada to work in the airport, to work as a flight attendant. Ha, 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 ha. Make all the same fucking jokes. But uh, I actually had them call me back and offer me an interview. Uh, for Air Canada. And that was actually, I thought it was originally scheduled for today. And I guess I just, my brain hadn't fixed it in my head. So I actually expected their interview this morning early on. And, uh, you know, I was sort of puttering around doing nothing for like 25 minutes before um, I finally pulled up the calendar and saw that it's actually been rescheduled for tomorrow. So I won't be able to tell you guys how that goes until next podcast. But um, I've been offered a job. Well, sorry, I apologize. I've been offered an interview as a flight attendant, and I'm working on an interview for the customer service uh, rep here in Ottawa Airport. So flight attendants apparently have to, to sort of primarily work out of Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, or Vancouver, I should say, and um, which means that there's a good chance if I was to get that job that I should move. Now, it might be the kick in the pants that I need to, to get out of Ottawa because I'll have a job lined up, or... Um, the alternative is if I get the customer service job here in Ottawa, I don't have to leave home. I would, I would just, I would never even get on the plane. I would just be working out of the, the airport, which currently I feel is ideal for me. I'll always have that opportunity to switch to something else, but the way they, the way they talk about it. Now here's, here's why I bring this up is the event that I did on, on Sunday was for Air Canada. So I was actually hosting something at, uh, the Canadian Tire Center for the Ottawa Senators, um, 
with Air Canada and they brought in a ton of staff. So I actually got to meet pilots. I got to meet the uh, ground team. I got to meet engineers. I got to meet um, some of the managers and support staff. And I even got to meet some of the team from the ground crew, like not the ground crew, sorry, but the uh, customer service crew, one of the jobs that I applied for um, here in Ottawa. So I actually got to talk to them and ask them the differences between, you know, doing the job here and doing the job on the planes. And they actually gave me a ton of information, um, sort of helping me to decide what would work better and whatnot. So, you know, maybe when I have any more information, I'll go into that in depth, but, uh, yeah, I mean, flight attendants make more, but they also only get paid when they're, um, like actually in the air, right? So there's a lot of like going to the airport, waiting for a plane to take off. What they were telling me is like, if your flight gets delayed by like two hours, like, well, you're not getting paid for that. You know, so you're just sort of sitting in an airport waiting to do your job. Um, you might have to finish, you know, you might finish your day in Toronto and now you're in Toronto. It's not to say that they don't take care of you, like they put you up and stuff, but you know, you're, you're not at home. You're now in Toronto, just sort of doing nothing, you know? And alternatively, if I stayed living in Ottawa to be a flight attendant, like I would have to pay to get myself to like Montreal or Toronto to like do my shift. So I might have to like show up at the airport, fly to Toronto, you know, and then they're, they're obviously reduced rates for employees, but the idea is like you're, you're paying to go make X amount of dollars. There was like factors to consider again, when I know more, this was, these were the things that they were telling me, um, but, uh, they were, they were saying how, like, you know, they're, they're very excited. You know, they, they, they loved working with me for the promo. They're like, you have great energy. You'd, you'd be a great fit for the team, you know, shaking hands with some of the managers and stuff like that. And they were giving me their email addresses. So, um, I have the interview for the flight attendant position tomorrow, but I think that the, the ground team here in Ottawa is, is really where my, uh, my interests are lead, like leaning right now, same benefits, same travel discounts, all that stuff. So there's a little bit of good news for me. And we had a good time at the event, signing people up for, uh, basically just the fan flight contest. So, uh, just, just two, uh, two tickets to go see Ottawa play Tampa in Tampa. So it's two tickets to the game, two nights, uh, stay in Tampa, um, two airfares round trip and some fun swag and gifts and things like that. So it was a cool event. Um, everyone had a blast. Air Canada did amazing in terms of like the team that they sent and the visibility and everything like that. It was a great time. Um, and then yesterday, Monday. Okay. This was a, this was a good, a good day for me, you know, internally, you know, my mental, mental health and just my self-esteem, right? How do how, I felt good about myself because I got up in the morning and I Ubered. And then when I left, I brought my gym bag with me. Cause I was like, I, this afternoon gym stuff is hard. It's too hard. You know, I get in, I get comfortable. I get doing something else. And, uh, and then I don't want to go to the gym. I look outside, it's rush hour. It's snowing. I don't want to go in traffic and, and sweat in the cold. So yesterday I brought my gym bag with me and I Ubered. And the second that I didn't feel like Ubering anymore, I went straight to the gym and I went and I did my, my 30 minutes of cardio and the elliptical. I did my drop sets as I understand they're called. I thought they were called supersets, but I was corrected by my good buddy, Jeff at good life, who said that, uh, no supersets are like working, you know, uh, opposite pairs of muscles, drop sets are where you drop the weight down and do what you can until you're just out. So I did uh, leg drop sets. My ass is killing me today because I did like glutes and all that fun stuff. Went to Costco and I got some. Uh, you know, some veggies and some apples and fruits and things like that. Just good stuff. And I bought a few, um, I bought a few like little gifts this year. So this year money's a little bit tighter. Um, I do have a new vehicle coming. I I've told you guys about that. And I actually got confirmation yesterday as well. Um, sort of when it's coming and, uh, and whatnot, there was a bit of, um, bit of a thing, whatever. And I'm not sure 
I'm not sure how interesting it is or, you know, you know, it's whatever. Fuck it is what it is. Um, I signed up to get the vehicle in like September or October. Right. And I, you know, you get approval or whatever, but the thing is once you get approval, apparently, um, the bank only approves you for three months. And of course, buying a car shouldn't take that long. But in my case, the vehicles were, you know, at a, at a promo because of the fact that, um, they weren't available until January. So it's like, Hey, buy it now, get it in January. Thumbs up. Well, I, I went through my bank as opposed to the, uh, the Honda financing. And apparently those approvals are only good for like three months. So even though I got approved, they're like, Hey, if the vehicles, they, they found out if the vehicle's not available. Like if there's no VIN number, no contract to sign, you know, uh, they're not really in a position where, you know, like we basically have to go for reapproval. So for the last couple months, I've been kind of like, well, you know, well, let's see what happens. I've had a lot of expenses since then, you know, uh, the, the LA trip and, you know, hitting potholes that I shouldn't hit shit like that. I'm like, they've sort of filled up some of my, my breathing room. So I'm like, I don't know if, if, you know, my credit, uh, now that the cards are more full, you know, it's a little personal again. And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about their own finances. I don't really give a shit. I'm just being honest. Part of me was like, you know, well, if, if they try, like they basically have to reapprove me again, once they know more, you know, which may change the interest levels and stuff like that. So I spoke with, uh, with my buddy Narong and uh, yesterday, and he was like, good news. Your vehicle's coming in January. Uh, at least, at least the ETA currently is, is mid to late January. Uh, which is around the time of my birthday. It'd be great for it to show up right around the time of my birthday. Um, but anyways, um, vehicles coming and, uh, and he had said that they had already pushed the reapproval. So we're good. It'll be covered, uh, right up until, you know, whenever the vehicle shows up. So I was like, all right, well, that's great. Um, so yeah, um, that's coming. However, it's coming in January, which means that I need to buy winter tires, rims, a bunch of other shit, you know, weather mats and all that stuff. So right now, Christmas is going to be tough. And this is also actually one of the quietest years I've had in terms of corporates. Absolute comedy, um, does very well by me, but, uh, usually every year there's a bunch of new Christmas parties. And the issue this year is that it's all the same ones, which is great for business. You want repeat customers. Problem is in my industry is that you don't send the same comics you've already sent. Every time it's a new show, Jason will generally speaking, send me and some of the other stronger guys the first time around. And the reason being is he knows I'm going to do a good job. He knows I'm going to give a shit about the setup. He knows that, you know, I want, I want the event to be successful. I'm also fucking hilarious. (laughs) So it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's nice that, that I get new gigs when they come. The problem is, is when there's a year with no new gigs, you know, and I've done them within the last few years, you know, you gotta, you gotta give them a different show. If they start getting the same show every single year, they're just going to stop. They want something new and exciting. So you got to cycle the comics. That's just good business, right? You wouldn't go to a movie theater that had the same fucking movie playing just all year long, right? You got to have variety. So Basically all the shows this year, I've got one or two on the calendar and some that I booked my own, but generally speaking, Christmas is a crazy busy time for me and having something like snow tires and rims and all that shit to buy wouldn't normally be a big deal. But, uh, but this year it's tight, it's tight. So, um, doing, uh, every year me and the, the, the roommates and I will do a, a little Christmas sort of evening, which is always great. It's great hanging out with them. You know, we have some drinks, play some games, ex- do a gift exchange. It's fun. Um, but this year I'm going to have to be really tight, very tight. So I actually picked up some stuff, um, 
yesterday at Costco for Kamar and Simon. And uh, I'll just have to, to get it wrapped up soon before anyone sees their thing, things. But it's like, it's really, it's not completely uninspired, but it's just kind of disappointing that like, you know, like last year I was actually able to get people stuff that I, that I knew they'd really like and actually spend some money. Um, unfortunately, this year is not going to be the case. So I'm, you know, I'm following it up very, very, very uh, lightly this time. You know, hey, the sequel, the sequel's never as good as the original. What can I say? So it's, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I, with Kamar, I'm, I'm disappointed in the gift only because like, I know with this podcast, I want to get him something, you know, to support his podcast, just something that's like, that I know he's interested. Simon's, Simon's simple. I got him something I know he'll be happy with. It's just the issue is I just wish, you know, with Kamar's I'm, I'm, you know, I know you're listening. So I'm just, I got something that I know you'll like, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not the wireless headphones that I got him that last year, you know, those, that was a dope gift. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a far fall from grace. It's like one of those movies that was amazing and super popular and then like Disney does the straight to video release for the next year. Like none of the characters are, or sorry, none of the actors are the same. Like everyone of any level of talent has jumped ship. That's my gift for Kamar this year. Um, but know that I'm remorseful and I, you know, I mean, I still have time, you know, I mean, it's going to be, it's gonna be the 12th when this comes out. I still have time and I'm just, I just try not to break the bank. I don't know what to get for, for Jason at all. And, uh, I still have other people on my list. I don't know what to get for my mother. Um, I'd like to get something for the kids, but I have no idea what to get them. So, uh, suggestions would be super appreciated guys. Like what are some really cool items that people are aware of this year? You know, maybe from people who don't get excited about vacuum cleaners. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, I don't know this. Has anyone seen any cool new things out this year? Like, I mentioned this in the interview later. I, I have something in mind for someone, but again, it's really out of budget, you know, and for something that, that really might not get used that often or might not make a difference. I really don't know that I can do it. Ah, the woes of Christmas spending, right? We all go through this guys. I'm not, I'm not especially cursed. Just, just saying that's, that's where my head's at. All right. Um, so I went to Costco and I poked around, looked for stuff. I've also got the gift exchange with my friends coming up this weekend. So that's going to be fun. I got a gift, which I, I hope is not, you know, it's a nice gift. You know, but, um, ah, who knows they really lowered the, uh, the gift exchange, uh, revenue too. like one, one year, I may have mentioned this in the podcast before, but one year we did a four, like we do the, what's called, um, it's not secret Santa. We do God, there's no, there's gotta be a better name for it, but this is the only one I know, uh, is the Chinese Christmas where, you know, like everyone brings a gift wrapped and then one person, you know, they draw a name and then that person gets to open a gift. And then the next person who gets drawn can either take that person's gift or open a new one. Right. And it's just, it's just a fun event. If anyone knows a better name, please tell me because Chinese Christmas, even though it's not like there's nothing wrong with saying Chinese Christmas, but the idea that like, that's the element of like stealing someone else's gift. Like they don't, you know, the Chinese are not exactly Christian. Right. So to be like, oh, it's Chinese Christmas. Like, I, A, I'm fascinated about the origin. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Let's do it. Let's do that thing where I Google it. Gonna go on my phone. Chinese Christmas. Let's see what comes up. Chinese Christmas. It's Tuesday, December 25th. What do you know? Christ was born at the same time in China. Um, I put Chinese Christmas in it. It's trying to tell me just the day Christmas Day is. 
How do they celebrate Christmas in Chinese? Christmas in China. Uh, is Christmas celebrated in China? Well, who would ask that? How do Chinese people sell? Come on, the, the Christmas traditions and come on, come on, come on. Chinese Christmas. Okay, watch it not even be a thing. One person told me and I just went with it. Owners of unlocked gifts must keep them visible and hold them up when requested. Okay, okay. Chinese Christmas rules. Here we go. Okay. Chinese Christmas gift exchange. White elephant gift exchange. Okay. Yeah, let's do there. So there's the better one. So let's go white elephant uh, rules. How about that? White elephant rules. White elephant rules. Okay. Official white elephant uh, gift exchange rules. So this is what we do every year. A white elephant gift exchange is a popular Christmas event where people vie to walk away with the best present. Oh, indeed they do. It also goes by Yankee Swap, Dirty Santa, and a plethora of other names. All right. Well, then there's a ton. I like Dirty Santa because it just sounds gross. Um, the white elephant game is played by a lot of different rule sets, some dead simple and others confusingly elaborate. Here are the basic rules. One, each player brings one wrapped gift to contribute to a common pool. The gift exchange organizer should provide information on what type of gift people should bring. Two, players draw numbers to determine what order they will go in. Okay, or you can just draw them you know, round after round. Alternatively, someone can draw names from a hat uh, or the order can be set by the organizer prior to the event. Three, players sit in a circle or line where they are, uh, sorry, sit in a circle or line where they can see this. That's why no punctuation hurts your thing. All right. Grammar is important. Players sit in a circle or line where they can see the gift pile. To make things easier, everyone should sit in the order in which they take their turns. Okay. Four, the player, uh, sorry, the first player selects a gift from the pool and opens it. Make sure everyone can see the gift. Five. The following players can choose to either pick an unwrapped gift from the pool or steal a previous uh, player's gift. Anyone who gets their gift stolen in this way can do the same. Choose a new gift, can do the same. So choose a new gift or steal from someone else. To keep things moving along, there are a couple of limits on gift swapping. A present can only be stolen once per turn, which means players who have, uh, have a gift stolen from them have to wait to get it back. After three swaps, the turn automatically comes to an end. Otherwise, things could drag on for a long time. See popular variations below for other possible twists. And six, after all players have had a turn, the first player gets a chance to swap the gift he or she is holding for any other open gift. Oh, that's fun. Anyone whose gift is stolen may steal from someone else as long as that person hasn't been stolen from yet. When someone declines to steal a gift, the game comes to an end. Okay, that's that that very end, I see. Note that this last extra turn, the three swap rule doesn't apply. Players can keep swapping until someone decides to stand pat or that there are no other eligible people to steal from. Uh, popular variations. When the above rules are as close to the vanilla version of the game as you can get, there's really no right or wrong way to play. Over the years, many new ideas have been incorporated into the gift swap game with the aim of keeping the game moving and or making it more strategic. Here are some rules, uh, rule tweaks many people use. Three swaps and you're out. If you get a stolen, sorry, if you get stolen from three times during the game, you are out of the game and can no longer be stolen from. Three swaps and the gift is out. That's the one we play. Uh, if a present gets stolen three times, it's out of the game and the person who holds it gets to walk away with it. Yeah, that's the one we do. No extra turn, no extra swapping poem story gift themes all right there's a bunch of shit here but that's basically what we're going for so you guys get the idea is you basically you you open a new gift or you steal one that's previously but once a gift has been stolen three times that's it it's it's unstealable so uh untiefable 
we didn't play that last one either where the first person gets to swap uh, again we've we haven't played that way so we should probably incorporate that in or i should at least suggest it and if any of my lovely friends are still podcast listeners let me know what you guys think but uh one year and i may have mentioned this last year but uh one year they had a printer on sale at costco for like 40 bucks 39.99 i was like oh we had a 40 dollar limit right? Because everyone's only just buying one gift. We had a $40 limit. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this printer because I, can, I can't imagine what the other gifts are. But this one's probably going to be pretty, you know, pretty popular. Like, you know, you know, leave with a, you know, a couple boxes of cookies, you're going to leave with a fucking printer. And that's the, that's to say, like, who doesn't have a printer at this point? But even still, that's a great fucking gift. Just because sometimes these, these white Christmas parties or white Christmas, white elephant parties or games, you know, what you end up with isn't exactly something you can use, but sometimes it's so kind of like, eh, you can't even re-gift that shit. But imagine you walked away with a printer. You're like, fuck, I just got a gift that I can make use of for somebody in my life. You know, it saves you, you know, it looks like a hundred dollar gift or, you know, anyways. So that's what I brought one year. And here's the thing. I was like, oh, everyone's going to fight over this printer. And the fucking printer, biggest gift on the table, didn't get open until dead last. And we don't do that last thing swap rule. So it was just kind of like, oh, I'll keep this. And that was it. So I was like looking forward to this, like swapping back and forth thing. Ah, eh, you know my expectations, but, uh, it's a fun game. I'm looking forward to that. So I, I got the gift that we're bringing this year with this year. We were, uh, they'd said like, Oh, let's do a $15 limit. What the fuck can you get for 15 bucks anymore? I'm like, let's do like at least 20 bucks guys. Come on. At least, at least 20 bucks. Let's fucking, you know, come on, come on. So got that, you know, and then I went and I did a show at absolute comedy last night. Just, uh, just did a little feature spot on the, uh, open mic Monday show. The crowd was, uh, eh, but like, I mean, they were like that for all the comics. So there's a lot of comics that are brand new. That's what Open Mic Mondays is. And the crowd was just really not letting them have anything, which I thought really sucked because these comics were trying particularly hard. They had brought some good stuff and the crowd was just, yeah. So I was on at the end of the show and, uh, and I just went out there and was like, you know what? Uh, okay. So my buddy Mika's messaging me right now telling me. Uh, he's been on the podcast for an inspiring. I am ordering his audio book. Okay. Thanks Meeks. I'm reading your text message right now. And if you're listening to the podcast, you'll know exactly the moment that your text came in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anywho. Um, the fuck was I talking about? That's how easy it is to knock my, my horse off the thing. Oh yeah. The, the crowd was being garbage. So I just figure, you know what? I can go out and I can try new material and I can just hate it because the crowd's kind of, you know, shitty, or I can just shoot the shit with them right it's like these got options as a comic like do i go out there and try my new stuff for a crowd that's been kind of like arms crossed and meh to everybody you know or do i go and do tried and true material and you know do absolutely nothing or i go option c which is to go out there and just do crowd work and give them shit for being a shitty crowd <laughs> and i'm sure you can imagine what option josh went with but it went great like i had them cracked open i had people yelling like oh my god this guy's fucking great like, and that's like the person I just shit on yelling. Like come, people come up to me after the show and we're like, oh my God, like I was hoping, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk to you, but I like, or like, I didn't want you to talk to me, but I was like, I really want you to talk to me. I'm like, I don't, they're like, well, like I was worried. Like, I know you'd fucking, you know, I don't like, you know, being the center of attention, but like, you were so funny. Like I definitely wanted you to like rip on me and stuff, you know, <clears throat> comics were like, oh man, I really loved your comics revenge. I'm like, my what? You know, I'm like, I didn't do anything but comics. They're like, no, that's like, that's like what it's called. Like when a comic goes up there and like yells at the crowd, I'm like, oh. You know, I don't, I don't know stuff, but it wasn't comics revenge, which is, it was called Josh doesn't want to work or feel shitty afterwards. So <laughs> that's what I did. I, I don't know. I had fun though. That was my week guys. A couple other things. Uh, 
Avengers Endgame trailer is out and I'm a big nerd for the Marvel movies. You guys know that, that this week has been a great week for Marvel trailers for me. The second trailer for Captain Marvel came out and now I'm super even more excited to see that. And the first trailer for Avengers Endgame is out. So what happened after the snappening, huh? You can find uh, a little taste as to what's to come. Uh, if you just, you know, Google uh, Avengers Endgame, you know, go to YouTube or something and you can, uh, you can watch the trailer for that. That was a lot of fun. <clears throat> super exciting. Like I said, I gotta, I gotta start after the podcast is over. I gotta run out and see if I can start getting some prices on winter tires and stuff. Don't like spending, spending is bad, but you gotta do it. Um, I got a thing too, right in the mail, right before, like I went downstairs to grab uh, a glass for my drink and I get these every year and I don't know if you guys get them and I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. So a lot of things like I, I have started getting a lot of mail about hearing aids and things like that in the last year, you know, or more. And I actually kind of want to give my, um, I kind of want to give some shit to the people that, that sold me my CPAP machine. Cause I'm getting mail for like hearing aids and walkers and all sorts of old people shit, you know? And I think the reason is because I have a sleep apnea machine, right? So it's kind of like, you know, it's maybe more known with like older people that need help with breathing. It's like, no, that's just me. You know, Josh, he cashes in early, right? Fucking he quits. He quits early. I dropped out of life too, in terms of the health aspect. So now they're like, oh, this guy's got a sleep apnea machine. He's probably, probably old and decrepit. So I get all sorts of promos and things like that for, uh, you know, hearing aids and, and dentures and all sorts of fucking old people shit. And, uh, and I, it's funny. Um, yeah. Like you guys, I, I don't know if you guys get that shit, right? It's basically like this constant promos, but one of the things that I get every year, um, and this is the first time I got this one was, you know, like that, those Christmas time calendars from like Remax or whatever, like the local, you know, real estate people who don't, it's such a waste of money. Like, have you ever looked at a tiny little two inch by four inch calendar from them going, you know what? That's really nice. I'm going to buy a house from them. I'm going to make the biggest purchase that I can buy from these twats because they sent me a tiny little fucking calendar. I mean, it's a nice gesture. That's not lost on me, but it's also not lost on me that they're doing it because they want you to buy from them. So I'm kind of like, you know what? Up the fucking ante, man. You know, if you're going to waste money, go fucking, why don't you, why don't you send a bottle of fucking eggnog to my door? Huh? Why don't you, why don't you do something? I'm, I mean, again, I'm not buying a house because you gave me goddamn eggnog, but I'm just saying like, if you want me to, you know, throw a fucking gift card in there, you know, just something that makes me believe you actually, I mean, and again, I know that's completely unfeasible, but it's just like, you're, you're wasting like print is not easy. I, I do promo all the time. It costs for paper products, costs for mail, costs for all that. What's the fucking point? You know, I'm not opening that. I I would, I would love for anyone to email into me to tell me that one time you got a fucking, you know, free thing from, from the local Remax and you were like, man, I, I and then I went out and I bought it from them. Yeah, no, I it, it changed my whole day, changed my whole day. I magnets, right. They just send me a, they send you the Christmas cards every year. That's what I'm talking about. You know, the Christmas cards, I get the stuff from the humane society where it's like every month they send me calendars and stickers and it's like, stop. Stop wasting the money I'm giving you on, on bullshit. I don't need, right. It's for the animals, whatever. I'm going to get fired up. I don't mean to, but I just find that shit wasteful to begin with, you know, but then like at Christmas time when they're all sending me Christmas cards and it's generic, right. It's not personalized. 
So it's just kind of like, man, just wishing of you and yours and this family. It's like, ah, fuck yourself. <laughs> just because I don't need the waste. Don't waste your money. I don't give a fuck. It's a business move. Like here's one of the things that I really did like was crystal had clients every year, but every year crystal would do a new interesting card for her clients. You know, like she would do a shoot with the kids. So she would personalize it was her family. And she had so many really cool ones. One of them I remember specifically, like just in terms of being able to describe it was she had all these different pictures of the kids and the kids were like next to the tree. So they'd either be like holding an ornament or, you know, holding garland, garland wrapped around them, whatever. And like one of them, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Brody was dressed in like a brown shirt with his arms up. So it looked like, you know, uh, and, and then one Michaela holding up the star, at the, you know, they're just holding up a star. But the idea was that the way Crystal arranged the pictures on the card, it looked like a Christmas tree and each picture of the kid was an element. It was fucking amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It's basically a bunch of pictures. And of course, to keep in mind, she's a photographer too. So to send a Christmas card with pictures and stuff gives great ideas for other people doing holiday stuff. So again, at the end of the day, yeah, it's advertisement, but it was also something that she did. These were pictures that were only on her Christmas cards. So only her clients, existing clients. This was not, this was not a new acquisition clientele thing too, by the way, it wasn't like everyone in the neighborhood got one. This was existing clients who had already come through. This was just a happy holidays thinking of you guys in this time. Thank you for, for everything this year, blah, 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 blah. So that kind of stuff I do find is different, but this whole like, Hey, like this is what I got today, a special invitation for you or a loved one. And it's an old lady standing in what looks like a European street, um, with a beret on. I don't even get it. She's like sort of half holding her. T- okay. So what is, I haven't read it yet. I just saw it. I was like, Oh, f-, and there's nothing here. Nothing that says my name, nothing, just the generic one. So, and then on the back, it said, find the, I think when I opened it, this was, I saw first, find the chart. Well, in your neighborhood, don't know what chart well is. <clears throat> so let's read it. Are you considering retirement living? <laughs> this is the first and yes, constantly considering just throwing in the fucking towel and being done with this goddamn life, um, for yourself or a loved one. Can you imagine? You know what? I, uh, I'm thinking about fucking cutting this one off, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about making them retire. What do you think? What do you got for me? Chartwell retirement residences has 13 retirement communities across the greater Ottawa region. Meaning, you know what? Fuck you Chartwell. I'm not going to, I'm too lazy to go back and edit this, but you're getting free goddamn advertisement. I'm going to call you and, and I'm going to get you to send me like four puddings or something like that from, you know, or, or, or you got to hire me to do shows, right? And I don't give a fuck. I won't feel like I'm bombing because everyone will be asleep. I've done retirement shows before too. And they're fucking all, they're all asleep before we even start the show, which is just awful. Just go out and it's a bunch of people in wheelchairs and it's like the nurses push them around too. So it's just like a body in a chair that didn't bring itself into the room. Isn't going to be bringing itself out of the room. Doesn't care that you're talking. It probably doesn't even know where it is. Just laying there sleeping in a chair. Like, fuck God, those places are depressing. Uh, but if I have any listeners in retirement homes, Hey, Look at you figuring out how podcasts and technology work, huh? Nurses stealing your, your, your money. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Doesn't matter. I start to get ahead and then I just act like a prick. I'm sorry. So yeah, meaning there's likely a chart well in your neighborhood. Oh, I sure hope there is nothing like fucking <laughs> call us today to book a private visit before December 31st, 2018. Yeah. You better get them in sooner, huh? You never know those expiry dates. <laughs> 
and get a free let's get started package. Oh my God. You mean you're going to give me the advertisements and I don't have to pay for it? Wow. You guys are nice. Our team can't wait to meet you. I'm sure they can't. So yeah, that's what I, that's, I always find that. Can you imagine like, like, again, I want to know, do you guys like getting the fucking generic Christmas cards? I'm sure we all get them from, from one business or another that's trying to get our goddamn money. But I, I, you know what? I actually feel sad for the people who get this and are like, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? You know, the ones who are like, they're so lonely that they just, they could, they get their little, their little floating shelf in their bachelor apartment. You know, or the room and they're just putting all the, the Remax and real estate ones up there, the sleep apnea postcards and everything like that. Oh, look at these people. They all love me. All right. Well, that was bleak. That's all I'm talking about right now. You know what I mean? So give me your gift ideas, guys. Tell me, tell me if you hate Christmas cards from businesses like I do, you know, what's going on with you? Contact the one man podcast.com guys. And I will tell you all about it. I had a great time at the hockey game. You know, that was probably like one of the highlights. I, mean, I really wasn't looking forward to it because it was cold as hell and it was a long, long promo. But after meeting the Air Canada people and having a good time, boy, I enjoyed myself. What a magical little thing right before Christmas. And that leads us directly into my partners at portablepress.com. Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. This week I'm going to be reading In the Nature of Hockey. I'll be reading uh, Shoots and Scores. Uncle John's Bathroom Readers Shoots and Scores. Tons of hockey trivia in this one. It's hockey stories, hockey trivia. And the article I picked because it's Christmas time or holiday time or Jewish time or, uh, you know, I know it's not called Jewish time. Uh, it's Hanukkah, you know. It's also Kwanzaa. Um, I'm not going to just be a dick and make something up for the Middle Eastern holidays, but there's a lot of Christians in the Middle East, you know, whatever it's the, it's the holidays. It's cold and it's nice to have lights and hot chocolate. All right. That's what I'm getting at. So the point is this article is called, so be good for goodness sake. Nothing throws the bah humbug into a Christmas celebration, quite like one of hockey's bittersweet, bitterest rivalries. In December 2003, when the New York Islanders offered anyone dressed as Santa Claus a free ticket to a pre-Christmas game against the Philadelphia Flyers, the idea was to add holiday spirit to and fill a few empty seats in Nassau Coliseum. They even invited the 1,000 faux Santas onto the ice for a parade between periods. What the Islanders' promotions department didn't count on was a trio of St. Nick's throwing off their red and white coats to reveal the red and blue jerseys of the Islanders' enemies, the New York Rangers. Uh, the bitter interstate rivalry regularly features as many fights in the stands as on the ice, so it was no surprise that the Islanders' faithful responded by jumping the Rangers' fans ripping off the offending jerseys and pummeling the intruders to the ice. Security was on the scene, but calming the free-for-all wasn't as easy. Uh, sorry, wasn't as easy as more fans took advantage of the chaos by sliding across the ice. It took nearly 10 minutes to clear the fans from the ice, which almost forced officials to delay the start of the second period. The rivalry continues. The Islanders, who rallied in the third period for a 4-2 win, said after the game that they weren't even aware of the between-period melee but more than a few were smiling after being debriefed. It's not surprising given the history of the rivalry between the Manhattan-based Rangers and their cousins from Long Island. Officially, the two teams play for the Pat Lafontaine Trophy awarded to the winner of the season series. Uh, unofficially, respect, dignity, and regional pride are at stake for the fans as well as the players. In addition to the frequent fisticuffs off the ice, there have even been reports of parking lots charging Ranger fans more at Islanders home games. 
Uh, Brawling Santas, however, may be hard to top, even in New York. And that is Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Shoots and scores from my partners at PortablePress.com, guys. Just a fun little bit of hockey, bit of trivia, bit of holidays, a little something nitty-gritty, easy-peasy. There we go. So uh, also uh, a little bit of info this holiday season, guys, I will be headlining. Uh, sorry, I'm not headlining. I'm headlining, uh, co-headlining on New Year's Eve in Kingston, and I'll be hosting uh, at Kingston. So from December 26th to the 31st, my pretty face is going to be in Kingston, Ontario, telling the jokes uh, with Ward Anderson and Nick Burden. So it's going to be a fun, uh, fun week. And I'm headlining, huh? Official announcement. You're hearing it here first. I will be headlining my home club, my home city of Ottawa, Ontario, uh, February 19th to 24th, also at Absolute Comedy. So Absolute Comedy, Kingston, 26th to the 31st. Absolute Comedy, Ottawa, February 19th to 24th. Check out absolutecomedy.ca for all other shows in all other cities. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back. My other company, uh, my other company, sorry, my other uh, partners, uh, Summersby, you know, Cronenberg, Carlsberg. Guys, I've been in the freaking LCBOs watching these things fly off the shelf. Uh, hopefully you've had a chance to check out the new flavors, right? The uh, Cronenberg Blanc Fruit Rouge. Oh, very, very, very tasty stuff. In fact, I might pop a bottle open after the podcast here. Just an opportunity to uh, whet the whistle with some nice stuff. Um you should also check out their semi-dry, all right? If you've been on the fence about Summersby because, you know, it's a cider, it's sweet, get the get the half one. I, oh God, when I went to Chris's house the other night, I was leaving directly from uh, from that like LCBO gig, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, they had a cider that I saw there that was, I, I don't remember what it's called and probably for the best because I don't want to shit on it, but, but it was garbage. It was a blueberry cider and it's like, and sweetened with honey. I'm like, oh my God, cider, blueberry, honey, amazing. Um. When I got to Chris, I was like, hey, you want to check this out? And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's try it together. We cracked it open. It smelled like hard-boiled egg farts. Do you know what I mean? Like there was this like this this sort of rotten egg smell coming out of it. We're like, okay, honey and blueberries don't smell like that. Uh, we poured it in like we we half the can because I was just bringing a couple things over to taste. And um, we each, you know, poured the can in each cup. I had one, smelled it, it stank, tasted it, and it tasted like it smelled. Um. Chris drank it because he's a garbage child. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He, I don't know. I don't think he liked it either. He was the first one to notice the smell. And then I went over and smelled it. it was I had one sip. I'm like, Hey man, congratulations. You get a whole can. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll drink it. So I really would like to know what you thought of that fucking cider, Chris, because that smelled gross. And I, I don't remember if you finished it or not, but I think you did. I think you did. Um, but having said that, all right, there's lots of ciders out there, guys. Lots of them. And, and you know what? That's what happens. That's what happens for me opening a cider that wasn't Summersby, all right? 
the gods of cider are watching. All right. And I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to moonlight nothing, you know, I wasn't trying to come home with lipstick on my collar, Summersby. I was just trying to, you know, I was, uh, you know, we was drinking, we was having a good time. We were dancing, you know, we, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, and I, I you know, I, I didn't check myself, you know, I didn't check myself. I got a little, I got a little out of order, you know, you got a little out of order yourself, you know? Um, but, uh, so yeah, don't, uh, you know, don't drink anything but Summersby is the point I'm making. Cause that, that can happen to you. You can drink someone's sulfur butt mud out of a, out of a very nicely, uh, designed can. And, uh, yeah, it's not worth it. Not worth it at all. So who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anybody? You fucking know I'm not. You know goddamn well I'm not forgetting anybody. My partner's at DK, Dorland Kindersley. Uh, and this week, the book that I'm reviewing, I have already talked about it a bit this podcast, is Good, Better, Best Wines. It's the second edition by author Carolyn Evans Hammond, a no-nonsense guide to popular wines. Guys, I blew through this thing. It is the fastest I have read a book in I really really cannot remember when and booklets and pamphlets do not count nor do magazines. Um, this thing is fucking outstanding. So if you don't know anything about wine, so here's, here was the task that I was charged with last week because I was doing an interview and I was interviewing someone who is actually, you know, an adult. <laughs> I was just saying like, I interview so many comics and silly people that like, we're just like, whatever, we just roll with it. But I was interviewing a professional, a professional writer, author, and uh, I had to come up with some questions just in advance to sort of say what we would be, you know, some ideas of what we might be talking about because of the fact that, you know, they're real human beings, real professionals don't just wing everything, you know, um, they have structure, you know, they're organized. So one of the things I did last week was to come up with some of the questions that I might be asking just to give her an idea right to a little, little, little prep, but I, I didn't know what to think of. So, so I just started asking questions about wine, things I want to know about wine. And I had my list of questions. I sent it to her. Um, and then I got my, then I got the book and then I started reading the book. It's like, holy shit. Most of my questions that I had to ask were already answered in this book. So how amazing that's that. And this book is, is basically it compares, um, oh, there's the door. Give me one sec. All right. All right, I'm back. The magic of the pause button. That's what uh, Burr always says on his. I'm so glad I found that code because it used to be like I would hit like stop or end the recording and then like start a new one, splice them together or just run real quick. Excuse me. And uh, I'll explain that burp in a second. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like run. And then at the end of the episode, I have to like, oh, now I got to, you know, remember where it was so that I can delete it out later and edit everything together. So there's no gap. Now I can just hit pause, right? Wasn't anything for me. Just another, another one of Jay's insane buying shit on Amazon purchases finally coming to the door. But one of the things that's cool about that is I went downstairs, put the box in the kitchen. I'm like, I can go for a little snack. Got a bowl of Crispix, come back up, hit play. Never even know, huh? All the time. How long, how long was it? Did I just neglect you guys for like two and a half hours? That's not what happened, but but again, the magic of the pause button. Uh, this book, as I was saying before, is uh, it's the first book to compare U.S. wines that are like $15 and under in that price point. So um, lots of books will compare all sorts of different wines from all over the world. This one's great because for all my North American listeners, um, and of course, all the wines in this book, 80% of which are available in Canada. So lots and lots of stuff on uh you know, in this book is available to all of my North American listeners, where of course my biggest listenership base is, um, super, super wicked book. I plowed through it. So the idea of this book is that it helps you select wine. So if you're, 
I mean, my experience being in the uh, the liquor stores here in Ontario is a lot of people are shopping for people and they don't quite know what to get, or they're trying to come to a, a dinner or, you know, they're not quite sure what someone's tastes are. And this book really breaks them down. So for example, the main thing that the book does is it will suggest a good, better, or best wine. And of course they've got all the different wine categories here. Um, I say, I say all, but I should say all of the main ones. So Chardonnays, Pinot Grigios, uh, Sauvignon Blancs and, and other whites, Rieslings and such Moscatos. Those are all in the white sections. Then you have your Cab Sauves, your Merlots, your Pinot Noirs, red blends, other great reds, things like that. Um, are all here. So of course on each of the different pages, we'll make a suggestion of a good, better and best wine. Um, and again, for the price point. So again, if you, when you're looking at this book, good, better, best wines, she's not making suggestions for, you know, 50, 60, $70 vintages. She's making suggestions for wines that are all at the American price point under $15, somewhere around 20 Canadian. Okay. So she makes a good, better, best that'll all basically reflect, reflect the price point. So looks what, like depending on what you're looking to spend, it will give you description as to the wine. In fact, there's all sorts of really little fun things that they have in the side. Um, for example, I do mention this in the interview, but, uh, but there's like a, a recipe for like red wine, uh, brownies. So what you can do with like some leftovers, leftover wine is, you know, to make some red wine brownies with them. Uh, it's, it's a great book. It's really good. It tells, it goes through all the different description things of like how to store wine, how to keep it, how to reseal it after it's been opened. Um, different sort of like, um, maybe misconceptions about wine, some trade secrets, things like that. Um, even like what to drink wine out of, there's actually a suggestion in here for a particularly, uh, particularly interesting wine glass. Um, and it says in the book, I'm not going to tell you guys because I want you to, to, to get the book and take a look, but there's a, a glass called the, Ooh, almost, uh, almost even said, even saying its name would be too much, but the, uh, the glass is basically a hand blown. And it doesn't matter what kind of wine you're drinking out of it. It's basically works for just about everything. And it is the, uh, it is in fact the glassware that, uh, that Carolyn uses. So the author of the book, um, good, better, best wines, guys, there's even sections in here. Um, some of my questions were like, Hey, what's uh what's a great way to figure out someone's taste profile, right? Like if you don't know what kind of wine someone likes, how would you, how would you find out? But if you don't know what kind of like wine you like, that's all addressed in the book is sort of how to find your wine. It's not so much like, Hey, this one kind of wine is a good starter wine or anything. It's that, you know, well, well, uh, the, the wines have a certain taste that matches sort of fruit and earthy kind of thing. So it's like, if you like, you know, uh, lime citrus, then you would probably lean toward a Riesling. Um, if you like uh, black currants, then a cab. So all sorts of things like that in the book. And, um, what I found particularly interesting is that, um, she, she talks about food pairings. So a good, a good rule of thumb in order to get, you know, uh, if you're trying to think of what wine to bring for food, but this thing has everything. It also has the, the bubblies. It has the, uh, the dessert wines. It even has boxed wines. So, you know, as, as the box wine category continues to increase, right. It's not just like the, the, the kind of the, the joke wines. And I don't mean jokes, but I mean like, you know, the wines that are basically scoffed at peasant wine in the box. There's actually some really good brands that, that now that there's bigger and bigger companies can actually, 
you know, put them in the, the, the boxes properly and make them use properly. So, um, it's just, it's cool getting to learn all this stuff. Um, and of course, um, one of the questions I had too, is like, well, what kind of wines do you bring to party if you don't know anybody? And again, this book has a section on that too. So just after reading the, receiving the book and going through it, I, so many of my questions were like, I don't even need to answer them. They're already answered in the book. So the difference, like guys, it's, there's, there's what kind of wines are bubbly to bring to like wedding receptions, like weddings, wedding receptions, dinner parties, um, backyard barbecues, cocktail parties, um, What's another one here? Uh, you know, beach pool or cottage. And of course it has the whites and the reds and listed good, better, best. Like it is such a good resource. If you don't know much about wine, you'd like to learn more, get this book, good, better, best wines by Carolyn Evans Hammond. I'm going to take this opportunity guys to let you uh, hear the interview that I did with her. Um, I had a great time. I was a little nervous too, because again, like I said, it's a sophisticated subject. She's an incredibly accomplished author. She is a syndicated writer. Uh, sorry. Well, writer, yes, but but syndicated wine columnist for the Toronto Star. Uh, she's appeared on many, many different television uh, outlets, including CNN, Canada AM, and City TV. Uh, she's written for Decanter, Wine Spectator, The Times in London, McLean's Wine and Spirit International, several other publications as well. She's insanely accomplished, and I was very, very grateful um, to have the opportunity to to chat with her. Um, about, uh, about her book. And of course, uh, so ask some questions that were, were maybe not in the book and just let you guys get a little, uh, you know, a little bit closer and know a, a little bit more about her and her work. Um, because I definitely think if you enjoy wines, if, if anything is not in the book, she's great to follow it on the social media. She's always got suggestions guys. I really hope you enjoy my interview with, uh, author of good, better, best wines, Carolyn Evans Hammond. Enjoy. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I just read your book, uh, Good, Better, Best Wines. I absolutely loved it. As I, so, I said to you a couple of minutes ago when we first started chatting, uh, it's the first time I have read so much in one sitting. And uh, and my, my hamster did not fall off the wheel of my mind uh, in terms of attention. I was really, really stuck to the pages in terms of just learning a lot about wines. I think it's probably the most interesting thing I've ever read on wines. Uh, so thank you for giving that to us. I'm glad to have entertained you. <laughs> Perfect. You know, can I tell you this? When I was reading the first little bit, um, because I guess this is, uh, I don't want to say the most formal interview I've ever done, um, but I was just, you know, wine is certainly considered a more, uh, you know, refined sort of, of thing. It's certainly, I don't want to say luxury, but it's certainly more uh, sophisticated. Is that fair? Fair enough. I think it's <laughs> becoming more democratized. 100%. 100%. So I was worried I would bring too much of my comedic immaturity to this interview. So when reading the book, I, there was a, a, a portion where you were describing, you know, what you're bringing wines to whatever. And you would mention, you know, like bringing wine to your next strip poker game. I'm like, okay, this is going to go much better than I thought. So there's a certain <laughs> level of humor. I did. I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed your, your descriptions of blends being either, I believe it was uh, Ryan Gosling, Channing Tatum and uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. I think it was, you're like, they're great on their own, but they're even better altogether. So I, I it, it certainly took the edge off of reading something that might, might, you know, give you the idea that it's kind of uh, like I said, you know, highbrow, sophisticated, and not to say that it isn't, but you, you know what I'm saying, right? Is sometimes reading about something that might seem overwhelming. I, I really liked how you, you kept it engaging. Like, so you're, you're educating and it's engaging and it's a ton of good friends. I just, I really appreciated that. It made it, uh, made it less intimidating to keep reading if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad because I think the end of the day, wine is a drink. 
and um, you you don't need to get wrapped up in all of the things that so many people get wrapped up in the terroir of it. All of that at the end of the day, especially at the at the price levels we're talking about in that book, these are drinks. Mm-hmm. Do you like them? Do you not? Yeah. You know, full stop. Yeah, and you made some really cool points. I'm also I also got your press release here. I have to say I love your picture. You look like the born identity of wine drinkers. You got the uh the bag slumped over your your shoulder on a Vespa. It's like looks like the Italian job. Like you're a secret agent of wine. You've got the the wine bottle stuck out like a sniper rifle. I was just like that is such a cool picture. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the the world the world hitman of wine. I loved it. Um, so I wanted to ask of course, you know, after after seeing all that reading your book, um what sparked your passion for wine? Um, I think it was many moons ago. I was uh, I was in the south of France, my first time in the south of France, and I was at um, visiting some wineries in um, the Rhone, and they gave me a bottle to take for my uh, for my lunch, and I had bought an onion tart at the little uh, at the little bakery, mm-hmm. and I sat there with this bottle of unpretentious wine that they just kind of put in a jug and said I could go off with and I poured it into my I'm sure plastic cup drank it and was completely blown away before then I'd been making my own wine at one of those make your own shops okay thinking it was the bee's knees giving it to everybody Betty I know with such pride and thinking I was so sophisticated doing so <laughs> well that one sip of that wine it, it just changed my world I realized I had so much to learn and I was I was smitten and from that point on I just uh, focused my aspirations on learning about wine and then writing about wine because I'm a, a journalist by you know by by trade and by, by education that's very cool and did it did it take long to sort of go from novice to expert <laughs> well, what happened that was in the south of France I was living in Toronto at the time I decided to move to Europe I went to Paris first for six months um, studied at Cordon Bleu, learned some French, went to London and became a wine PR. Okay. So um, from there, I quickly learned because I didn't have the wine knowledge, by, but I had some corporate communication skills under my belt that, um, that I was counseling these clients without wine knowledge and I was looking like a fool. So at night, by day, I would talk to journalists, wine writers, and then by night, I would take my um, wine, um, wine education courses. And I ended up quite quickly earning my street cred that way. Nice. Um, learning my, you know, so I got my intermediate, advanced, and then diploma level wine and spirit education trust from London, England, um, quite quickly. And that's how I, and then and then moved back into the world of writing and and have never looked back. So this is my third book. Oh, that's very cool. That's very, very cool. I, uh, it's, it's always fascinating to me how people get into it because I, I surprisingly run into a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm a sommelier. Is that how you pronounce that by the way? Is it sommelier? Sommelier? Sommelier. Sommelier. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I'm I, with wines. That is one of the things that I feel like there's, there's so many different arguments on pronunciation. I still don't know if I'm saying Riesling right or Riesling. I think it's Riesling, right? It's Riesling. R-E-E-S-E. Riesling. Riesling. Okay. Like peanut butter cups. All right. Now you're talking my language. I can, as long as you put it in terms of food, I can figure it out. That's, <laughs> but that's, I, I find, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because I, I talk to people all the time and I've, I've been lucky enough to try different wines, but I know for a very, very long time, like I steered clear of reds because I think I had a few bad, what I would understand now to be like table reds. And I just really didn't like them. 
And, and now I've, you know, I whites for years and now I find myself really leaning towards the reds. Like, you know, the more you play around and, and whatnot, you start to find things that are more to your taste or at least things that are of, you know, of higher quality. Um, so I wanted to ask, this is just sort of a silly question, but sometimes people are kind of interested in wine and they don't know where to start. So I was going to say, do you have in terms of people kind of going, well, I'd like to get something, but I'm not sure. Do you, do you suggest a particular type of wine as like a starter white or a starter red? No, what I start with is what people um, naturally like in terms of flavor profiles. Okay. Because about 80% of a wine's flavor comes from the grape variety from which it's made. So um, Riesling will always taste like lime. Okay. Chardonnay will always taste like, um, you know, green apple or citrus, mixed citrus. Okay. If it's wooded, it'll taste, it'll have an overlay of some um, either vanilla or creamy character, maybe some nuts. Um, if you if you like cherries, Merlot is your, <laughs> Merlot is perfect. If you like raspberries, it's Pinot Noir and, and so forth. Cabernet is black currant and cassis. These are the flavors of those wines. In my book, in the first um, the first page of each chapter, mm-hmm. because there's a chapter devoted to each major grape variety, um, it's a one page a, a one pager that just outlines what that grape variety tastes like, what those wines taste like in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. Once you know what they taste like, and the texture, the texture is usually in there too. Um, you'll be able to know whether you're going to like those wines. Then, if you go flip through, find a an intriguing. Um, Tasting note, go taste that wine. It's not going to set you back too far. Okay. No, that and that makes sense too, because you're right. If it does have its sort of a tasting profile, then you can sort of play with that in that regard. So I guess one of the questions I had a little bit further down, but maybe it, it goes with that. If you don't know, if you're shopping for someone, but you don't know what they like, is there any way to, any kind of educated guesses that you can make, you know, maybe, uh, does he, is there, is there like a cheat sheet for personality types or something like that? Do you have, does, do you have any tricks or anything like that? It's difficult because, mm-hmm. as I, it, as you said, you don't like red wine. If I don't know what you like, I would never buy you a bottle. Right. Um, a complete stranger, I would never buy a bottle for. Okay. The only safe bet, I think, buying wine for complete strangers, such as a hostess gift, um, is a half bottle of Bonafide Champagne. Okay. Because Bonafide Champagne is lovely, um, and it's always a celebratory tipple, it's blue chip. Because it's a half bottle, it's not going to be a fortune. And having that in the door of your fridge is always a good thing. Okay. I like that. I appreciate that. It gives us something to work off. I, like I said, I spend a reasonable amount of time in LCBOs and people just say, I'm looking for something. You know, they'll ask for help and they say, I'm looking for something, but I don't know anything about the person. I'm like, oh, well, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I usually ask them then what led them to choose buying them wine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Buy I, my book. Don't buy them Right. Wine. That's what I said. I said, I'm going to start. And I, can I just say that I love its size? I love its size because you can put it in a bag. You can bring it with you. It's perfect. I really, I really do believe that this should be something that's sold in the LCBOs though. I know that because there's brand specific suggestions, there's maybe a little bit of a conflict of interest with that, but I, I really don't think anyone who's, who's interested in wine shouldn't have this book. Um, you know, it's, it's outstanding. It's great. I love, I love the size of it. And, uh, and I think my ADD hamster fellow, cause I had a point before that and I've totally lost it. Oh, I was going to say, it's like guys trying to buy lingerie. We, we don't belong and they, we get funny looks when we go in that store. If we have no idea what it is we're trying to buy. So it's kind of like buying wine for someone you don't know. <laughs> 
Um, so what else have I got here? I, like I said, I, I've got a bunch of questions. I just don't want to, I've put little marks next to something because some of them I wrote before finishing the book. And then, like I said, you've, you've answered in the book. Um, so I guess my other question, one of them too, I was going to say is, is, you know, is there a good first date wine? Like if you're looking to impress someone, but I guess it falls back. If you don't really know what that person's profile is, it's kind of difficult to pick something, you know, there's nothing out there with like a wow factor or something along that line that might help. Right. Well, there's lots of wow factor wines, but I think um, a good gauge is knowing how long they've been drinking wine. And the reason is we all sort of run the same continuum when it comes to wine, because we all start sweet. We all like sweet because we're, we come out of the, we come out of our mother's bodies drinking sweet milk, Ah. you know, sweet breast milk. We have a natural inclination to enjoy sweet things. There is a huge stigma against sweet wine, but if you think of Chateau Ikem, one of the most expensive wines in the world, dessert wine, it, it goes for thousands of dollars a bottle. So there's no shame in sweet. Um, we all start sweet, often sweet pink, Mattias Rosé, anyone? White Zinfandel, anyone? Um, we start there sort of when we're <laughs> 19, mm-hmm. and then we go to white, and we start with creamier whites, because and higher alcohol whites it might um because that's often gives a perception of sweetness and that um anyway from there we'll go to um drier whites crisp pinot grigios and so forth and then we go red we'll tend to big reds that are sweet centered so things like um well we wouldn't start with cake bread but um we'd start with things like apothic apothic has you know quite a bit of residual sugar but it's well balanced, so it doesn't taste sweet. It's got complexity, so we feel like we're, you know, so it hides the bitterness, because mm-hmm. sweetness hides the bitterness of tannin, but it, um, it's also complex and full-fruited. From there, we go lighter and lighter and lighter until we end up at Pinot Noir, like light-bodied Pinot Noir from Burgundy, cool climate Pinot Noir. From there, we go dry, austere white, so champagnes and grower champagnes without residual sugar, like uh, brute natures and things like that. So that's basically the continuum we all follow because okay. it's natural. So going back to your question, so that was a very long No, no, I, I, I'm... I'm how do you impress your day? Um, <laughs> well, how would you impress me? Well, but given I've been, I've been drinking a long time, if someone took me on a date and they said, you know, um, they secretly brought out a nature champagne, which is sort of what you drink when you've been drinking a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would impress me. That okay. Impress me. Okay. I like that. And I actually, I, I thought of this earlier when I was reading it. I just finished the book this morning, um, which is probably a new record for me. I think a book in, in less than 24 hours. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm buying myself a pizza. <laughs> which is a weird celebration meal, but no, uh, but I do have actually a question that relates to this. I, I, I noticed in the book earlier today in the bubbly section that there's a barefoot champagne. Um, at least it's listed on their bottle that it's champagne. And I wanted to ask about that is I, my understanding was that the rule is if it's, if it's, there's only like only champagne comes from champagne, uh, France. That's a great question. Yes, that is absolutely true. The only champagne comes from champagne. And it's a, it was a, um, a thorn in the side of the Champenois for many years. They had an argument with um, the U.S. and said, you have to stop this. You have to. But what happened was there were some brands that had champagne on the label that were 
godfathered in and are therefore allowed to continue using the word champagne on the label. But there's very few of them. Really? So they still, even though it's, hmm. I think it's in the sidebar in one of my books, in the, some, one of the sidebars in the book. Okay. Okay. I also saw that you have a recipe for Merlot brownies in this, one of the sidebars there, which I think is absolutely outstanding. Not that they're brownies, just, I love that you, you add so much extra stuff to it. So it's not just, it's a fun read because you keep adding new fun things to it. There was also glassware, by the way, thanks for costing me 80 bucks for a Christmas gift. Uh, <laughs> there was a, your recommendation. I don't want to say the brand name because I want people to a want this glass, but I want them to get your book in order to get the answer to this question. Um, no, I haven't got it yet, but I made the call. This listen, I got this book yesterday. Okay, I, I had to finish. They didn't have the time to go buying glasses. I had to go. I had to finish it. But I did. I did. The second I read the name, I jumped on Google. I went to their website. I found a store locally. I called them. I had one put aside. So I don't think I'm buying it for myself. Like it's certainly not for me. Not yet. I'm not. I'm not there. Well, I still have ten dollar bottles on my on my shelf. I'm not. Uh, they're still tasting the same, I think, no matter what I'm drinking about it. But I, I was really impressed to read about it. And I thought that was really cool that you have like the glassware section in the, in the book as well. So it was fascinating to me that, that depending on what you're drinking out of it, it makes a difference. Um, I will also say that, uh, the, the, the intro to the Merlot section, I found particularly outstanding, um, because you'd referenced the movie sideways, which I watched when it first came out in 2004 and I didn't know anything about, about wine. So I found that movie to be particularly interesting. So last night, um, I happened to be chatting with my roommate that, uh, that I read the thing about sideways, asked him if he had it. He's got a big movie collection and, uh, and we watched it. I watched it with, uh, while drinking a bottle of Merlot as sort of just a, Yay! yeah, just a little tease to that. I have one bottle in my collection. It's the, uh, the Santa Carolina. I believe it's called. Yeah. The Santa Carolina, the Chilean Merlot. And a friend of mine actually bought this when she came over to co-host the podcast with me. So I, uh, I drank that last night whilst, uh, watching sideways and I found okay. it, <laughs> found a particular interest, but I, I just, I loved reading. One of the things I loved about the book is just, like I said, there's so many different little, like I said, recipes, little suggestions, little pieces of trivia. Um, and that, that basically my entire evening last night was based on just one of your intros to one of your chapters. So, um, I found that. Yeah, I found it, it was fun. It, it basically made reading about the, the, the wine fun. So, um, just one of my favorite things about it. I, I just, I think, and I, I too can ramble on by the way. I've, I've, uh, thoroughly you know, enjoyed it. That, no, I think I learned something too from writing that book. I wrote it the first time and I learned it and it was, um, I learned it again in a different way this time writing it for the, for the book. I had to taste about 500 of the best selling wines. What a horrible yeah. thing to have to do. Uh, <laughs> well, it can be. Just kidding. It I can, can imagine. because these are not expensive wines, um, but oh. but they've been curated because the market has curated them. These are repeat purchases. These are people. These are the wines that people like because they are the best sellers. Um, they sell huge volumes, so they actually all are relatively balanced and relatively decent value for money. Um, and I think that's what I learned is that at those price points. It is absolutely possible to find a, a good value bottle of wine. No, there it's not. They're not all great value, mm -hmm. but there are some seriously good value bottles of wine that can sell for twice the price. Oh, hundred percent. I've I've tried some. I remember there's only one time in my entire life where I've done a, a wine tasting. 
Um, it was actually, they were doing a tasting at the place. I happened to be doing a different event, but when it was over, they asked me if I wanted to try some stuff and, uh, they were doing cab soaps and I tried a $50 bottle, a $60 bottle, and we were just conversing myself and the gentleman running it. And then I had tried a $25 bottle. And after I took a sip mid sentence, I had to stop and go, wow, what was that? Um, and that was the $25 bottle. I'll name that one. Uh, that was the, uh, the Hess select from California, the cab soap. I believe it was the 2000, yeah, I think it was the 2016 or 2015, but, um, but it was absolutely insane. And of course I was not uh, as versed in wines then as I am now, uh, it was a vintage and I didn't realize that, you know, you buy it while it's there or it's not going to be there later. So I, uh, I missed the boat on that, but, uh, right. but like you said, that the price doesn't always dictate necessarily the, how much you're going to enjoy it. You know, it's, no. it, it's, there are great, great wines out there at very reasonable price points. Um, yes. And that, uh, there's that stigma around larger producers, the idea that they're too commercial to do, uh, to, to make good wine. But the, the truth of the matter is that they can use economies of scale to buy in great and, um, and blend to a signature taste profile that's been well market researched. So they can actually, um, often do very good jobs and sometimes better than smaller producers who are working on tight budgets and have to use every grape they grow or mm-hmm. they don't make ends meet. Right. There's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to look at. There's a lot of things in the book that, that, uh, you know, make a lot of sense when you just stop and think about them. Uh, the biggest one that got me was, um, in the book you described building upwards in your wine over the course of an evening. Uh, so starting with the, the sort of the lower ones and moving your, your way up to the things with more profile, which I kind of always thought in reverse. Now I, I always thought, you know, start with the stuff that tastes the best, maybe the more expensive bottles. But my logic was, cause as people start to, let's say, get inebriated, they're tasting less. And so you're, you're moving away from the expensive stuff because now they're not even tasting it. Unless, does that make, I don't know if I made sense with that. You totally did, but I think it just, (laughs) I think you have to, your both angles are correct. I think it depends on what the crowd is, who you're serving, Mm -hmm. because if they're, if they're big drinkers, you are a hundred percent right. Okay. Serve them the good stuff first because they won't notice that they're drinking. Fair enough. So you're talking about societal people and I'm with animals basically. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we all have animals in our lives. <laughs> okay, so if, if if people are acting, you know, like I said, they're, if they're, if it's a sort of a, you know, with dinner and then you're moving on throughout the evening at a, a reasonable pace, then by all means work upwards. Yes, exactly. And if it's a, especially if it's, for instance, a wedding, Okay. you know, or not a wedding, a wedding's a small, wedding's a bad, bad example because you're watering a crowd. Mm. But if it's a, a fancy dinner party for four. Okay. Um, you know, you're you're meeting the future spouse's parents for the first time. Then, yeah, don't bring out the, um, you know, the two hundred dollar cab um, <laughs> with the first course. <laughs> you know, lean into that. Lean into Whatever it. Okay. So like just twenty five Chardonnay with first course. Second course is the cab. I think (laughs) it'd be great to have a breathalyzer by the way. And you just, it's basically just got an arrow. They blow into it and the arrow just goes up or down and that's your price point. They blow into it. You're like, all right, go ahead. They're ready for the next best thing. And then if otherwise just goes down. (laughs) Brilliant idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe that'll be my dragon's den appearance. I'll, (laughs) 
<laughs> show with no, that. there is one. You know, when I was doing my gift guide for the Toronto Star, um, which was out last weekend, one of the things I was considering is there is a a gift a gift that you can buy. It's a um, a keychain breathalyzer. Yes, my believe it or not, my roommates have those. Really? <laughs> yeah, Do they. they they work. Oh, we're like, again, comedians, right? We have nothing to do after a show, but sit around, talk and drink. And the, the, the I wish I was joking. The, uh, my, my good friend, the owner of absolute comedy, uh, had one installed at the club because he thought it would be fun to have that on the wall, put a dollar in it and people can give themselves breathalyzers. And then he went around and bought a bunch. Like he, he must've given us all a keychain breathalyzer that year for Christmas. So again, animals, animals, animals. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen those. I just, yeah, like I, I can, it'll give me a number, but I wouldn't know. I'm like, okay, so does that mean we're going with, with Wolf Blast or am I, you know, looking for a barefoot <laughs> bottle to open at this point? <laughs> but that's great. I don't want to take up too much. You know, I do have a couple of questions left. Do you have time? I know we've hit the two thirty mark. That's when we were scheduled for. Okay. Um, no, feel free to move on. Okay, perfect. Um, so I, that, that was, that was the biggest question I wanted to know is I'm like, should I be moving upwards? Cause that's, a, so I, I like that. So it's a good, good description. So you have to I, read your crowd. Now we've just made it more complicated for you. No, no, no. I, I think I get it. So we're good. If we are, it's not like, you know, you have a, a glass or two and now your taste buds are toast. But if, if the people are, you know, struggling to keep their eyes open, maybe it's not the good stuff we bust out. Um, actually. That alcohol thing, that's an interesting point. Something I learned when I was living in, it was when I was living in London um, and and traveling to France a lot, is that um, especially the French, but Europeans in general, do not think it's proper or appropriate to serve hard liquor before a meal because it kills your taste buds. Right. Good to know. Yeah, no oh, absolutely. No gin and tonics before you're serving. Start with something light and white, hence. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I wanted to ask something about tasting notes. Um, cause I was reading some in your book yesterday and I find, I found all of them that's good. Like it's, again, it's, it's kind of nice to do a tasting. There's sometimes where before you're served a glass, people will sort of give you an idea of what you should be tasting. And it's kind of interesting to look for it. Um, I've, I've heard that there's some interesting slash, you know, odd, gross tasting notes listed on some bottles. And I thought this is just one that someone told me a long time ago and I've never, no one in the store seemed to know it. I thought maybe I'd take a chance and, uh, and ask you, um, I've heard that there's odd tasting notes and I've, one of them that has been listed. I don't know if someone was having a, a time with me, but cat piss was apparently listed on one bottle as, does that sound completely ridiculous or are there well, weird things? Cat pee, but I think we know the same thing. Um, but yeah, that's a classic scent in Sauvignon Blanc. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's there's Hallmark flavors and aromas, and Cap P is Sauvignon Blanc. So Cap P on a gooseberry bush was a wine. Um, I don't know whether it's ever been available here, but I know it, it's a global brand, and it's um, um, it's New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because that's what it. Those are classic flavors in Sauvignon Blanc. Gooseberries, I- New Zealand. I can't imagine what childhood someone had when they're like, you know what? If it tastes like that, that's what I deserve. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine from a marketing perspective that they're like, well, hey, look, it tastes like that. And we're the ethical wine company. Put it on the bottle. We don't want to. <laughs> it just, have you, have you heard, are there any other really odd ones like that? Or is that just sort of like the, that's the go-to one because that's kind of the. I mean, there's Fat Bastard, which is, they do sell here mm-hmm. um, in Ontario. Um, 
there, you know, there's clean slate, which refers to the slate, and there's chocolate box. There's, there's a lot of different ones, but, um, and they, you know, they're all just poking fun at the flavor profiles, but none of them are quite as crass as right. <laughs> Cat Piano. And cat, that's so. That's the name of the wine, not the not the tasting notes of it. No, it's the name of the wine. Oh well, that's way yeah. different. Someone had told me that's the actual tasting note, like oh, blackberry and cat piss. I'm like, I that that doesn't sound like something I'd want oh, to taste. No, then. that's awful. No. That's what I understood. No. So there, there you go. That's what was was clanking around in my brain from since I heard oh. it was that that would actually be a tasting note on a bottle. So they were probably, you know, misinforming me, which, which happens to me. I'm naive. Um, <laughs> speaking of the, the, the interesting tastes though, I have seen uh, some, some new sort of trends in wine with spirits for the last, you know, at least a decade now they're going crazy with spirits. Every, they're trying all sorts of different, interesting things, but I've noticed lately that they're aging wine in bourbon barrels. I even had the opportunity to try a few of them, uh, and they were particularly good. Um, I've also got a, a, a bottle of wine here called the grinder, which someone had told me when I bought it, that they're playing around with coffee, um, with the wine as well. So I just wanted to ask, have you had a chance to try any of these new things or are there any new sort of wine trends that, that, you know, are exciting at a, at an early stage? Mm, well, um, I think the grinder, if I remember correctly, that's a Pinotage from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Pinotage is their their flagship grape variety and different clones in, in Pinotage can taste a lot like coffee. I see. So they've, as I understand it, they've used a specific clone that brings out that coffee character. And so you get it on the nose and palate of the grinder. And the grinder is actually an amazing wine for the money. It's very, I think it's very good value. Um, there's a grinder, the bourbon, the bourbon aged wines are coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, n- yeah, I don't know any other, ones that are actually infused with flavors. Mm-hmm. I think I heard about a cannabis vodka, but oh. I declined a sample because <laughs> I don't do. Yeah. Beer, so. Yeah. No, I, I would have, I would have as well. Do you have any thoughts on the, uh, the, uh, the, the bourbon barrel stuff? Have you had a chance to try it? What are your, what are your feelings? I have tasted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the, the, to me, the, the bourbon lacing, the lacings of bourbon in the um, um, in the barrel doesn't really come through. It's no different to me than a toasted barrel. Okay. Um, the toasted barrel still going to bring out those those caramelized notes and that. So um, it's fine. I I didn't. I wouldn't gravitate to it. Okay. Does it feel? Uh, and again, like uh, just out of curiosity, does it feel gimmicky? Do that? Is there like wine? gimmicks because i had another question here about like are there any wines that you would say steer clear of that kind of lure you in with a fancy bottle so maybe i'll just wrap that into one question is is there like is that sort of thing like the bourbon barrel or fancy bottles like are there wine gimmicks to maybe steer clear of it's funny you should ask that because um i actually did a piece a column recently specifically on gimmicky wines okay um what ones are worth the cringe factor you know and which ones you really should avoid. So um, that was when, do you remember The Bachelor came out? Yes. I watched it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So The Bachelor Red, um, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's from Ontario. Um, It's only $15. And I actually thought that was not bad. Mm. It was not bad. It's drinkable. It's balanced. It's clean. I was surprised. Fine. Worth the cringe factor? Yes. Um, And I 
Yeah, I gave it like 88 points. Um, ones that aren't were the white. Okay. Those are like the white. There's one called Naked Grape. Yes, I'm familiar um, with that, Brian. Yeah. And it's, they, have an, they have something called Unoaked Blue. Hmm. And it's totally Instagrammable. It's indigo blue color. It's really bright. Um, it's actually a flavored wine beverage. So it's a, you know, it's colored and it, it's got different things in it, but it's not worth the cringe factor. It's not worth, you don't want to be seen drinking that, okay. um, especially on social media. So yeah, but the one-on-one Pinot Grigio Bachelorette was a no. Um, let me see. There's one called Big Bill Ridiculously Big Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. They also have a ridiculously big Cabernet Sauvignon. So that's sort of gimmicky. Um, especially with the label, the way it's, and so the, um, let me see, the, I thought that the Sauvignon Blanc was a complete fail. Okay. Not worth money. The Cabernet Sauvignon, not bad. Um, there you go. So there's some. Yeah, I, I, I saw one recently. I, I'm not sure if you've, have you, have you heard of this, uh, Living Labels app that they have on phones now? Oh my God. Okay. Well, you're welcome. I've got something that one thing I can contribute to you. Um, there's an app called living labels. And I noticed, uh, the, the reason it came up is I was in a store and I recently saw that there's a walking dead, uh, cab. So I had a chance to try it. I, I wasn't bad. It, it certainly, I didn't feel was worth its price point. Um, but I was talking to someone about it and they had, uh, they had said, Oh, do you have the living labels app for it? So there's, uh, there's actually the app you can download and there's quite a few, uh, wineries now that are using this app. And what you do is you hold your phone up in front of the label and the label comes to life on your phone using augmented reality. So oh, I heard that. Doesn't, yeah, it's 19 crimes. Yes. It's oh, gorgeous. It yeah. Yes. The, the character on the bottle comes to life and will describe to you his story, who he was, what crime he had committed. And it's like the head is talking, moving around, talking. It's Absolutely outstanding. But the walking dead bottle is one of the ones. So speaking of gimmicks, like that, that living label thing is actually kind of interesting. And I got to say, it's pretty cool because it definitely makes you want to buy the bottle, bring it home and show everybody what it does on the, the walking dead bottle, a zombie smashes through the bottle and is trying to get out of the bottle. And if you bring your phone close enough to him, he'll, he'll swipe at the screen. And if he hits it, your screen cracks. So no, yeah, progressively more crazy. so. Yeah, it's yeah, but it's but like that's like I gotta tell you, I almost bought I, I even tried the Walking Dead wine, gave it a thumbs down, and I was still gonna buy it because my mom is a huge Walking Dead fan and I thought she would enjoy that. So just so to see. What's that? scan a QR code on it to make it happen? No, it's, it's it uses augmented reality. So it actually recognizes the picture. And then what it does is it sort of does um, like an overlay over top of it. So it doesn't look like, uh, it looks like the bottle itself through the picture on your phone is actually coming to life and, and speaking. Um, yeah, I totally have to get that. Um, yeah, try... Try yeah, it's just called Living Labels. If you want, I can I can send you a message or an email later with the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um that's a good one. So I know currently Wolf Blast, the Walking Dead from California, and 19 Crimes are ones that do it. I would say try the uh some of them are just kind of like, you know, you scan the front of the bottle and a little, you know, eagle will fly by the front and it just starts telling you a story <laughs> through the phone. So it's not really 
it's not really, and it's like a filter, but the, the 19 crimes, the walking dead, that bottle comes to life and you can move your phone around it and it keeps the bottle in the space. So it really looks like that's coming out of the bottle and happening to the bottle itself, as opposed to just a filter. It's, it's very cool. But yeah, speaking of gimmicks, that was one recent, like I said, it even made me want to buy a bottle that I had previously not enjoyed just for that, that gimmick aspect. I, I have, uh, I have two more questions left and I, is that still cool? Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, one of them is just a quick one. I wanted to ask, uh, this evening I was planning on buying, uh, a bottle of that Vanguard Pinot Grigio because of its, you know, pretty frosted blue bottle. Any, uh, any yay or nay on that? I wish I knew it. I wish I could provide counsel, but I can't because I have not tasted that wine. Fair enough. Well, then I, I go into it happily, uh, Happily anticipating its uh, its experience. Um, just, yeah, it got me with a frosted bottle. I'm like, 18 bucks, but I'm like, it's so pretty. It doesn't fit in my wine rack, so I got to buy it and consume it at the same time just because of how big the base is. And uh, my, my last question for you, and again, I have to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your book. Uh, I can't wait to, to start playing with it. I loved loved because again some of my questions here what's what are some of the best box wines uh what's the best way to store your wine if you don't have a wine cellar you know i heard uv light or your, i heard what light damages wines all these things are answered in the book what's the best way to care for and preserve an opened wine all of that's in the book so real questions that other people have guys it's not just how to select the wine in the store it's it's lots of great information so oh, i just actually on that note the last edition mm-hmm. had um eight pages of um um, wines under five dollars. So those are the you know the big format wines, the um, Carlo Rossi's of the world. Um, so only eight pages. This edition has forty four pages. Um, so there's a lot of inexpensive, great value wines out there that are completely fine to drink. So I think that's a to me that's a one of the important points of this book. The real values I've managed to add in this book other than the fact that also that everything's color and glossy this edition the last edition was oh it's absolutely it, it's absolutely beautiful even one of the bigger questions i had was you know if you're going to a party or something what are some safe bets to bring or some crowd pleasers and again you have a whole section on that and you've you've not just said oh well here's some whites you can bring or here's some reds is that you've actually got it specific to the type of event you know barbecues weddings um, dinner parties, garden parties, like that's, that's incredible to be able to make it easy. What's that? (laughs) Because everyone has garden parties. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everyone wants to wear hats and pretend they're British. But it's still, but you know what? If somebody needs to know it's there and we are talking about wine. Like I said, the perception is that it's a very sophisticated thing. So sophisticated thing, people have garden parties. You know, we have laying in the bushes parties at my house. (laughs) I'm I'm joking. So, but I just, I found that to be, like I said, I had a big list of questions. And as I got through the book, I was just putting X's next to them here because they're in the book. I don't need to, to bother with them. But the last question, and I know to an extent it is, it is answered here, but this was a a listener question. So I'd like to like to ask on their behalf. Um, They wanted to know, because most of us are peasants that that listen to my podcast. Um, What's that? Am I? Well, no, but you're, <laughs> if you're calling yourself a peasant, it's like you're a, rever- a reverse snob. Oh, anyway, yeah. You know I mean? Well, that's, yeah. Rever- I think a reverse snob is a peasant. I could, could be wrong. 
But I just mean, I know that a lot of times I like to enjoy my wine, but I'm not making steaks and everything in the evenings. And this question actually comes from Chris. Chris was uh, my lovely participant in that uh, Facebook promo video I did for this interview. So Chris had five different sort of fast food, comfort food, easy at home uh, that he wanted to ask what would pair nicely with that. So the first one he has is just what would pair nicely with burger and fries? Depends on your style, but I think Cabernet is always a good bet. And the reason is it's not too, too smooth. When you're eating a hamburger, mm -hmm. you want something with a little bit of grip that holds the fruit in place so your palate is properly seasoned for that next bite of burger. You don't want to be all gone, okay. you know, and that's what tannins do, especially when it's a nice velvety Cabernet, you know? So yeah. I'd say go to Cabernet. Okay. Fried chicken? Oh, fried chicken. To me, fried chicken, because fried chicken is, is greasy, salty goodness, mm -hmm. you need crisp acidity to, you know, scrape the palate clean afterwards. Um, and you, you want it dry. I oh. want it to be dry. So to me, Pinot Grigio okay. is fine. Great if you're, you know, if that's your style and you want just something quenching. The other cool thing is, um, go high and low. So, um, uh, a very smart, Sparkling wine. Okay. Um, if you can afford it, a, you know, a, a bottle of Verve Clicquot or something with a bucket of of, uh, of KFC, very stylish because high <laughs> and low is super stylish right now. It's like the new mass of wine. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It's like, I, I, that would probably be the funniest visual for me. Someone eating a bucket of chicken while drinking champagne. I would just say they're having some, that would seem like a bipolar person, like in their wedding dress on the ledge. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to try it. Um, I've only got two, uh, sorry, I've got, I've got Mexican, Mexican food. So Mexican. yeah. Um, okay. With Mexican, are we talking about like a burrito? Yeah, like, well, I was thinking, yeah, I guess burrito, tacos, that sort of... Tacos, okay, that kind of thing. Okay, so we're talking about stuff with some kind of tomato in there. Okay. Um, as soon as you add tomato, just like pizza, you want you want something with enough acidity, but you also want something with enough flavor that's going to, to hold up. So it's, you're, you're matching the weight of the wine with and the level of acidity with the food. Um, to me, that speaks either Pinot Noir, such as a Miraso Pinot Noir, which is a um, $13 Pinot Noir, uh, beautiful, light-bodied, fruity but high acid, or something like Valpolicella, um, beautiful, again, light-bodied, Massey does a beautiful one. It's, it's um, crisp. It's going to stand up to any acidity from tomatoes, but it's not going to be so powerful as to mask all the food flavors because there's complexity there. Okay. So that I would assume that my next one was pizza, but since you had said matched with pizza because of the, the tomato, um, I pizza, remember pizza, treat pizza Chianti. You gotta go Chianti. I was going to say in your book, you said Chianti. I saw the Ruffino uh, Chianti in there. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the last yeah, one, um, in my city, we have deemed Ottawa, the shawarma capital of the world. I know that there's a reasonable amount of them in Toronto, but I wanted to ask you. So for shawarma, what would be a great pair for shawarma? Shawarma. Chicken shawarma, right? Yeah, we could do chicken. Or even if it helps, maybe Mediterranean food. So there's a lot of, you know, salt, garlic. See, to, 
to me, it de- depends if it's a beef, like if it's a beef kebab kind of thing. Okay. I want Syrah or Shiraz. I just want that because it's smoky black fruit. And that just has a magical, a magical um, marriage with, with grilled beef. It really just does. And the garlic, it, it just works beautifully. Um, if it's something like shawarma where it's chicken or maybe white mystery meat, then go um, high acid, okay. not wood. So um, um, an albrino works beautifully. An unoaked chardonnay works beautifully. Okay. A dry, dry Riesling works magic. Like a, you get the like a lime squirt in there. Um, or the other thing that works is a crisp Pinot Grigio because all it's going to do is be a sheer wash of uh, mouth-watering flavor, like vinosity, to, um, to clean the palate between bites. So I like that idea. Awesome. Well, that's, that's amazing. That's all the ones I've got here. My usual, it's almost like describing my week of, of meals. <laughs> so I know what to drink with all of my dinner pairs. Carolyn, this, I, I really appreciate your time today. This was, this was a lot of fun and, uh, and sorry we went long, but, uh, but this is, this is great answers. Great stuff. You've definitely given me more to think about, which is great. Um, I'm going to have your book this whole entire holiday season. Like I said, I'm in LCBOs. So even though I'm sure they might not be able to carry it, I certainly can. And I can't wait to sort of pull it out and sort of use it. I'm going to be putting this in a lot of people's faces this holiday season and suggesting that they pick one up themselves. Um, where can people, uh, follow you or keep up to date with what you're doing? So listeners all over North America, I'm sure. Um, at the wine find is my Twitter handle. I'm on Instagram. Carolyn Evans Hammond, and uh, um, or you can email me directly. My link is at, at uh, on my bio page at the Toronto Star. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to give you back your day. Really appreciate you spending time uh, chatting with me today, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to hear what people think of uh, of our little chat uh, on episode 83 of the One Man Podcast. Great. Thanks for the time, and thanks. I'm so glad. You, I'm really glad you enjoyed the book. Oh, I I was super. I, I got to say, I was super excited when I saw it. I'm I'm even more thrilled after having a chance to to see it and look at myself. I know that I'll be giving this to a few people, uh, a gift just for myself this holiday season. So, uh, super excited, and it's uh it's a good little resource. Thanks, Josh. All right, take care. Thank you so much. And we're back. What did you guys think of that? Did you enjoy the interview? That was fun, right? Nice little uh. Nice little interview, get to know a little bit more. Hopefully you're now interested in the book as much as I am. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't recommend it enough. So thank you to all my partners, DK Books, Summersby, Absolute Comedy, and uh, PortablePress.com, Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. This week, guys, I'm going to be doing a touch and go. I wanted to talk to my friend who I haven't seen or been able to, um, sorry, haven't seen, haven't chatted with in a little while, haven't gotten any emails or anything like that. So I hope, uh, hope she's still doing good, but I'm going to ambush my friend, Vanessa, see how she's doing right now. Uh, let's see if we can get her on the, uh, the line there. How do I spell her? I don't remember if I put her married last name, which I can't spell. Um, or if I still have her in as the one that I know, let's, let's find out where the frick or frack is she? I don't, oh my God. Oh God, come on. I'm really making you guys listen to Oh, because I put her in his red. Let's okay. Let's see if this works. Let's see if this works. How you doing, red? Boobity squeep. I might get to a point where people just completely outright ignore my phone calls because they know what it's going to be, or or they're going to start answering excited all the time, and I'm just going to be constantly letting them down. 
Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too shabby. Vanessa, you are on the one man podcast right now. We're just doing a little touch and go segment. I thought I'd call and see how you're doing. Oh my God. I feel so privileged. <laughs> well, you've actually helped co-host the podcast with me before. I know. How are things? Once. Oh, you know, just hanging out at work, living the dream. Yeah. What are you doing for work again? You still working for that uh, big company there? You can say that. Yeah. Name. Well, big, I don't know, like somewhat medium sized software company. Is it? Yeah. But it's for the, the, the car company, right? Or am I? Yeah. Well, it's a, they do automotive um, data and software for uh, obviously the auto data, automotive industry. So, yeah. <laughs> that was thrilling. This, this little touch and go <laughs> is off to a huge start. <laughs> How's yeah, your, no, I mean, it's, I mean, so if you've ever like been on a website never, uh, or like a car never. website to build and price <laughs> a car or compare vehicles, you know, one company's vehicle to other vehicles, we build all that and we, um, facilitate all the data for it. And so that's like kind of the main stuff we do. And then we do a lot of other internal tools for dealerships and, corporations and just sort of, uh, inventory and, uh, ordering. Yeehaw. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I know that's so, your day. A lot of stuff that people don't see a lot of like the stuff is behind the scenes, but yeah, the stuff that you would see that we build, right. It's like the building price on all the, most of the major car companies like GM, Ford, Chrysler. Um, I can't remember. Do, do you guys, you said comparing, like, do you actually have something where you can compare different companies' cars or is it just internal, like, models versus yeah. each other? Yeah, no. So if you go on most of the major car companies, um, there's a compare option. Like, one of the links is, like, compare. And then it pulls up, you can select the vehicle from that car company. So let's say, talking about, like, Ford, you're on the Ford website, you pull up their compare, and then you pick, like, a Ford Focus and then they'll have like pre-selected three cars in that same category from different companies. Oh, like Nissan, okay. You're not, and, you're not actually like snagging the details from an, a competitor's site. It's more no, or less so, but like. What we do is we, we retrieve all that data um, and we have that data here mm -hmm. and we have it organized so that you can compare. So Ford might call their, you know, transmissions like they may give it some weird fancy name or whatever and so to compare apples to apples we go and we say okay well nissan's version of that is x and so that you know and so we sell that data back to them so that they can compare it makes sense their, themselves to other companies cars so it is still getting that proper data it's not like you hit compare mm -hmm. and then you're getting a few feature comparisons that ford's website has decided to showcase because then you would think that it's a little suspect like of course they're going to compare the shit that you know they're they're winning on but if it's it's legitimate information collected from a third party then it's it's more reasonable yeah well i mean it still can be like skewed for their benefit right right so, but like the data we deliver them it's just how they decide to present it <laughs> right but it's still accurate it's not like like at first i thought it was a genuine comparison like site to site to site my first knee-jerk reaction in sales is to like 
Well, I wouldn't want that if I was the shittiest option on that comparison chart. I'd be like, yeah, can you guys stop showing everybody <laughs> that we're the worst? <laughs> but yeah. but then again, if it's if it's like they're getting the info, and then secondly, I understood it was like, oh, it's just compare, and then they just talk about it. <laughs> You know, and then mm -hmm. finally it's your guys' information. But like you said, they can still just choose what to showcase and what not to. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. I want to talk about what's going on with you personally. All right. I saw some pictures on social media. You guys got some lovely family photos taken. How is the holiday season treating you? Uh, pretty good. Busy. We are finishing our basement. So that has been taking up all our time. And uh, so we're doing that ourselves. And so... You know, it's mm. cheaper, but it takes more time. <laughs> yeah. And yourself. doing, doing renos in the winter time is awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not been too bad. We're, we're finishing up. We have, um, the floors to put in this week and then carpet, well, part of the floors and then carpet is being installed for us on Monday. So, and that'll pretty much be the end of it. So while you're doing renos at home, you're doing numbers and data during the day. What are you doing yeah, to keep well, yourself entertained? <laughs> um, you know, besides listening well, to the one man podcast, old, of course. so that can be entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's getting big now. I noticed from the, uh, the pictures there. Yeah. Yeah. He's tall. He's not as chunky as he used to be, but he's slimming out, I guess. Is he? That's good. I think. Um, Is that a good thing? But yeah. Like yeah. I know we started the adventure of potty training, uh, a week ago and that's been dramatic <laughs> to say the least. Really? Yeah, well then, just sort of. So he's he's at a home daycare, and he's the oldest one there. Okay. And so he's, you know, we're teaching him this new skill, um, but he doesn't understand why he has to stop doing whatever he has to go to go to the bathroom, and nobody else does. And so he's really oh. resisting and getting angry about it. <laughs> I see. That so, makes sense. I mean, you can't blame him. Like, I'd be pretty pissed too if like everybody else got to keep playing and and got to poop in their pants and I had to go poop in a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till I get old enough where I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, to go to a toilet. I can just poop my yeah, pants. Stop and playing video games. But, right. You know? Yeah. Just stop what you're doing. Right. In this fucking house too, there's always somebody in the bathroom. So, you yeah, know, how many bathrooms do you have? One, you? one. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. So I have one bathroom. We have four people that live here. And then Jason's constantly bringing strays into the house. And by that, I just mean like extra comics. We're staying a day or two longer. We don't have room for them at the condo. So we just, they stay here. And so we've got like, like just bodies in the house and it's like all day. I wish like, it's nice when Simon and Camargo to work because then there's like, okay, now it's only three people fighting over the bathroom. And then of course, Jason's uh, girlfriend stays over too. And that's, that's a woman in the bathroom. <laughs> Anyways, um, I wanted to say I, uh, I cracked open your bottle the other night. It's, it's earlier in this episode too, but I cracked open your bottle of uh, Santa Carolina Merlot the other day. Uh, and I watched sideways with it. <laughs> Are you familiar with the movie? <laughs> that mean i don't know oh, okay <laughs> that, does that code word for something no have you not seen the movie sideways uh maybe okay i don't know is it an older movie older 2004 paul giamatti the main character in it and it's about like two guys in wine country 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, he hates Merlot in that movie. In fact, that, that oh. yeah, again, I talked about this earlier, but for context for you, uh, it basically hurt the Merlot industry because this movie was so popular and he basically made it like Merlot was like the worst wine. So uh, they actually call it the sideways effect. He was a fan of Pinot Noir in the movie. So Merlot sales went way down and Pinot Noir sales went way up as a result of that. But I figured since there was only one bottle of Merlot in my collection and it was provided to me from you, in fact, you brought it <laughs> when you co-hosted the show with me. So to give context yeah. of when I received it and when I drank it. Um, and I wanted to say thank you for that. I appreciate that. That was very kind. And that's what made me think I should touch base with you and see how you're doing. Let you be the, uh, the touch and go of the week there. Oh, so did you like the wine? <laughs> uh, it wasn't bad. I, I was saying that like, like I've had lots of reds that I just outright don't like. Um, mm-hmm. but I find as my palate's getting a little bit more sophisticated, um, I, I don't mind, uh, I don't love the, the medium bodied to light bodied reds. And I find Merlot is like a medium bodied. Like I like them when there's, you know, a lot sort of more going on, more tannins and whatnot. Um, so I didn't dislike it, you know, and, and yeah, as far as you, I brought you more of a safe choice. Right. And as I was going to say, and, and Merlot is a very safe, just wine in general, because it's more of, you know, like, uh, it's, you're going to find a lot of table wines that are Merlots just because it's, it's just, like you said, it's a safer choice. So from the Merlots I've had definitely like top five, but, uh, nice. That's good. but yeah. And, but overall, um, I, uh, you know, I would probably not, if I needed a Merlot, that would be the one that I would go with, but I probably wouldn't seek it out as my evening's, uh, festivities. Yeah, no, I enjoy a lot of the uh, South American red wines. Yeah, well, we should uh, we should play around with some next time you're in town. Let's get a couple bottles and we'll just get white girl wasted. And uh, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> any uh, big plans for the holidays before I let you go? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, keep taking it easy. Trying okay. to not be too busy. You know, the two year old keeps it busy enough, so. Did you get By the anything? way, I was meaning to send you an email this week, ah, well, so maybe I'll just give you crap on air. Yeah, do it. Give me <laughs> shit. That's what I like. So, like a long time. So you keep talking about your your Fiji water, right? And then it was keep really talking. Funny. Yeah, you talked <laughs> about it multiple episodes. Really? Okay. So um, a while ago, though, when you first talked about buying this at Costco, it was really funny because in like pretty much a couple sentences of each other. You're talking about how much you love the Fiji water and blah, blah, blah. And it's so good. And it's so amazing. And then like three sentences later, you start talking about the big garbage pile in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) And I'm just like, you know, that's kind of ironic because you're contributing to that directly. (laughs) Really? From buying the water from Fiji? From buying the bottled water, any bottled water. It's such a ripoff. Tap water is just as good if not better oh jesus are we gonna get into the essential oils again too no no but i'm saying like as far as like chemicals or whatever bad stuff you think is in your water your tap water is actually better for you um yeah i mean without without getting too into it i know that there's there's no fluoride and there's no uh chlorine in the fiji bottled water um, those do exist in a lot of the bottled waters, like Nestle, like anything that Nestle owns, you're, most of them are just tap water anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in that case, like I'm not outright terrified of tap water, but I thought, you know what? I wonder what it would be like to just drink 
clean water. Like Fiji has the cleanest water in the world, which is why it's so expensive. And that garbage pile doesn't exactly go past Fiji from my recollection of its geography. However, and it's funny no, too, but you're contributing it by buying bottled water when you could just have tap water. That is true. And it's just I'm, as good for you. Listen, if I wrote you a list of all the horrible things I'm contributing to, we would be here a very long time. Um, <laughs> but also, I just thought it was funny that you were talking. No, about and you're how absolutely right. Bottled water is, and then how tragic it was that there's a huge garbage pile in the oh, ocean. Yeah. It's like, hey, listen, you know, one kind of is the result <laughs> of the other. Hey, I cry for the animals whilst eating hamburgers. All right, so I I have many hypocrisies that clang around in my persona every <laughs> single day. But I did have this, it's funny that you brought that up because I did actually have a conversation with someone this week who had mentioned the fact that none of the plastic straws and everything like that, that we throw out in Ontario ends up in the ocean because all of our garbage goes to like landfills and stuff. Like we're not, nothing we have here in the middle of Canada, it's not like we're shipping out the straws to throw them in the ocean. You know what I mean? So all the restaurants and stuff doing like paper straw is basically a business owner bitching about having like, you know, not wanting to, to, to buy paper straws and stuff because they're like nothing that we have here gets shipped up to the ocean anyways. Like it all goes into landfills. So, yeah. So just to say that my bottles of Fiji water aren't going to end up in the garbage of the ocean, that's me being mildly defensive, but you are right in terms of hypocrisy. Absolutely. And I haven't found a way to walk around with like, you know, uh, washer safe loincloths that I can just, what do they call them? Just not disposable diapers. What are they called? The reusable. Yeah. That's well, fuck. I didn't realize it was that simple. I thought there was like a, a, a better name for it, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? That's what I want. I want to walk around in a loincloth and I want nuts and berries to grow in my own yard with using no harmful chemicals. You know, I want to run my, uh, <laughs> All my sound and light equipment for stand-up off of solar energy. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. Actually, if we were to maintain our energy consumption the way it is today throughout the world, there is not enough land mass on the planet Earth for us to replicate that using wind and solar. Hmm. So there is still no good solution to coal. To coal? Oh, I don't even know we're talking about coal. We're, we're, we're going retro? Well, like, you know, like, well, we're, we're talking about, you know, re being, you know, conscious of the environment and things like that. And so if we were, if we're, the goal is to get, to stop using coal, then solar and wind is not a viable solution because we could never, you know, we would either have to drastically cut our consumption or well, find a better solution. Well, then let me ask you this. Who do we kill? Well, according to Thanos, half of everyone. Oh, did you see, I was talking earlier about the uh, trailer for <laughs> Endgame. The Endgame trailer is out. Have you checked that out? Yeah. Oh yeah. What, <laughs> what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty short, isn't it? It didn't really address much. No, of course not. I think they, they can't show a whole heck of a lot because of the fact that, you know, Captain Marvel's going to be in this one. Her movie hasn't even come out yet, so they can't let you see too much. But yeah. I've, have you, do you ever watch those like, uh, you know, Easter egg videos where they like break down, like the, I guess trailer breakdowns is what they call them. Did you, do you watch any of those? Uh, no. Well, I have before, but not much. Like I don't make a habit of it. No. Ne and neither do I. I just, I woke up one day and it's like, now that I have YouTube, it's, it makes suggestions to me every morning. And, uh, there was a, a trailer breakdown for it that suggested that video of Ant-Man at the end is, uh is from the past. Cause they all look shocked. and like, is this an old video or whatever? And it's like, no, it's the front door. 
But if you look at the top of the screen, it says archive. And so have you seen Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know you don't like when I give spoilers, but if I'm spoiling it for other people, whatever. Just hit pause or fast forward, guys. But oh, well, it's uh, been a long time. It has been a long time. time. Yes. Okay. So that's that's another thing too. Let's let's save that question for a second. But um, yeah, they they suggest that Ant Man is in some sort of time vortex. It's actually one of the things that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer says to him. <clears throat> you know, don't do this, don't that. Oh, and don't get caught in a time vortex. If you do that, we can't save you. Um, mm-hmm. but they're suggesting that uh, Ant Man gets stuck in some sort of time vortex, and they're going through all this old archive footage of that uh, Avengers sort of area because remember in the first Ant-Man movie, when he went there to steal that thing, they were told it was just an old Stark warehouse, right? Mm-hmm. So, Hey, it's just an old Stark warehouse. And he gets there. He's like, Oh, this isn't a warehouse. And it ends up being the Avengers current base. So okay. yeah. And then he has to fight what's his face, uh, Falcon or whatever. While someone was theorizing because an archive thing, maybe he gets stuck in a time loop and he ends up, in upstate New York when it was still a factory or whatever. So he's actually banging on the door in the past. So long before the Avengers even started, that's like an old archive footage of him banging on the door. Like, Hey, let me in. Do you know who I am? Like I'm, I saw you in Germany and they're watching it. So like they might start looking for clues in the past or whatever to sort of link them back together. I don't know. That was the most interesting thing I found Hmm. of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of which, how long, like I said, that was the question I wanted to save is how long is a safe period of time before you can talk about things spoiler free? How long should you give a subject or something? I mean, I think until the point that it comes out on video, like when it comes out on video, then you give it a couple weeks because then the people that were like, well, I didn't want to spend the money to see it in the theater. I'm just going to wait till it comes out on video or whatever, then at least they can see it on video. And then, you know, they have a couple of weeks to do that. And then it's like, okay, you've, you've had your chance. Right. Well, that so, seems fair. Yeah. Or like, if we want like a set timeline, like I guess six months, cause doesn't it usually come out by six months? Oh, I think it's way life? sooner than that now. Yeah. Seemingly life goes by so fast, but, um, okay. Well, there you go. That's my new guideline. Then two weeks after it's released on video, I can start talking about shit without getting angry emails theoretically yeah. <laughs> you've uh, had your chance <laughs> um well i'll i mean we've been on the phone for like 17 minutes i i these these segments were always like yeah let's try to keep a short little how's it going but i i do enjoy catching up with people um and since like i said since the emails don't come you you chris and tiff were great you guys send in emails regularly and i do appreciate that um but yeah i figured i'm gonna have to start i'm gonna have to start going to the source right they yeah, don't come well, to me I, feel like I always get to tuesday and then i'm like I'm about to send you one. And then I'm like, well, maybe he's already recorded it. And then, you know, but, and if he, you know, reads this like the next week, is it even going to be relevant anymore? And then, yeah. Well, and then it just doesn't happen. And people <laughs> also read, like listen to the podcast, like way out of sync too. Like some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I listen to four at once and then I don't listen for a month and I listen to four at once. So I would say just feel free to send it. And, and a guideline for anyone listening, I would say just generally speaking, I don't think I ever start recording before noon. So if you ever have a chance, if you want to send an email, if you send it into, uh, you know, before noon, the odds are it'll make it on the, the existing week. And what's that email address read? Uh, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I said like five times an episode contact at one man podcast.com. Oh, it sounds way better coming from you than it does me. Um, okay. Well, if I don't talk to you before the holidays, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all that fun stuff, all the best to you and your family. And, uh, you know, be thinking of you. Yeah, you too. Don't eat too much turkey. Go fuck yourself. Don't tell me how to live. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, I'll chat with you yeah, soon. Remember Ray. those goals. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I did good. Well, you'll be happy to hear this week's episode, I think. All right. Good stuff. All right. Proud I'll chat with you buddy. soon. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for being there. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? That's fun catching up with the friends. Ah, oh, I enjoyed that. That was sweet. I, I love talking with my friends, man. The close ones. And see, I also have a head zero. Like, not only am I not getting the emails, all right? Nah, it's back to bitching, all right? Um, but uh, not only am I not getting the emails, I, I expected a few people to be like, hey, can I be the touch and go? You want to give me a call? Like, I called Peter and he's like, <sighs> like every fucking question. <sighs> like, some people just don't want to be spoke to. I've actually had a, a few people that I've wanted to call, but I worry that with no warning, um, I'm actually going to end up you know, pissing, not pissing someone off, but they're not going to be free to talk or they're just going to send it to voicemail because they don't have time, you know, and then I'll just not call them again this next week. But I might, but then again, also the same thing, like the Kimmel's, uh, Matt Damon thing. It might just be that I try to call someone every week and I never get them. And it would just be this, this funny ongoing thing. So like, it would be a huge deal when I finally get them. So I guess touch and go, will kind of have to like, let it run. Cause I, I don't think these little five minute check-ins work, but maybe sometimes it'll be a small one. Maybe sometimes longer, but at least it's a back and forth that maybe you guys can enjoy every single fucking episode of the moon man podcast. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so having said that guys, what have I got going on this week? Oh, I've got my air Canada interview tomorrow morning. Be doing some Uber in this week. This weekend, I have a bunch of LCBO samplings. I got a gig in uh, Pembroke, which is usually a big military town. I'm looking forward to that on Saturday night. And Saturday morning, I have my uh, brunch with friends. We're, we're doing the Christmas brunch. We're doing our, our white elephant Christmas stuff there. Um, and what else? Oh, yes. And I've I've got that gift that I'm bringing in. So uh, my job for the brunch is I'm doing my... Uh, my world famous, right? Everybody makes their world famous something. Even if they live in a small town, I've never traveled. Everything they make is world famous. Um, I'm making my, uh, my home fries. I do up a uh, nice, nice home fries, nice little rustic Tuscan seasoning on them there. It's going to be delicious. Can't wait. Um, so yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that, man. I hope to have, uh, I hope to have some really cool stories and stuff for you guys uh, next week's episode. As always, contact at onemanpodcast.com. If you guys want to send me an email, let me know what's going on with you. Give me some gift ideas. Tell me to go fuck myself for drinking Fiji water out of a bottle. Um, you know, I asked them to send me it in a disposable cup, but it's always melted by the time it gets here. Um, so, uh, yeah, contact at one of my podcast.com. Thank you. Portable press.com. Absolute comedy.ca summersby dk.com slash CA in Canada or dk.com slash whatever, nothing in the States. Um, <laughs> someone type in dk.com slash whatever, nothing. There's nothing there. Um, check us out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, one man podcast. You'll find us. We've got episodes there now available on Spotify, iTunes, Google play music, um, if you haven't, if you're listening to this in some other outlet somehow, and you'd love to be able to subscribe, please, uh, go to one of those outlets, uh, find one man podcast and subscribe. If you need help, contact the one man podcast.com. And I'd be happy to walk you through the process. I'd love to have you guys there. If you're on there already, please take two seconds and, and leave a review. If you're listening to this right now, just, uh, you know, go into your app and, and find wherever the reviews are. I'd love a five-star review, a little write-up. It just, uh, helps make the podcast more popular. Um, and what else? I think that's it, man. Um, we are the 12th when this comes out. So I will still have an opportunity to run my mouth at you guys once or twice more before, uh, before Jesus's birthday. Uh, you know, little baby Jesus. Um, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. My watch just asked me a question and then it went away. I think it's taking over. Um, 
yeah. So, uh, I, I hope you guys are, are enjoying your holiday season. I hope everything's going well for you. Stay warm. If you're somewhere cold and, uh, chill the fuck out. If you're somewhere hot, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, I will chat with you guys again next week. We can get down. We can With the Joe Smoke flow. If you don't know me by now, you never know. Stepping on my critics, beating on my foes. The plan is to stay focused, only then I can go. Straight from the heart, I represent hip hop. I be three albums deep, but I don't wanna go pop. Too many candy rappers seem to be at the top. Too much candy is no good, so now I'm closing the shop. Crush your competition like your tigers on grapes. My rhyme styles be bending like a Ron G tape. My man, where you going? You can't escape. When the tribe is in the house, it means nobody is safe. How can a reverend preach when a ref can't define the music of our youth from 1979? We rap by what we see, meaning reality. From people busting caps are like Mandela being free. Not every MC be with the negativity. We have a slew of rappers pushing positivity. Hip-hop will never die, yo. It's all about the rap. So Mayor Barry smoking crack. Let's preach about that. The trash you talk won't matter. That old bogus chatter. The more that you condemn us, it only makes us better. When I talk, I know I'm talking for hip-hop. was all around. You know you love the sound. We get down. We can get down. We can, we can get down. We can get down. We can, we can get down. We can get down. We can, we can get down. We can get down. We can, we can get down. Oh, it's like that, man. It's like that. 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 I'm the cherry on the top of your ice cream. I'm the mystical inside your dream. Listen to the way we pulsate the jam. I'm the nigga here with the mic in hand. Styles that we present are just a few. To do away with you and your humdrum crew. This is 93 and the shit is real. Black people unite and put down your steel. Ladies make a forum on your sexual drive. Devoted to your lover and make it thrive. The rhythms of F, I'm a hip hop body. Release my energy with the force of a shoddy. Standing on the wall with my polo on. Talking to the girl with the list plate born. Keep the poetry in my black knapsack. Got my Timbo hooks in my double mid pack. Hit the city streets to enhance my soul. I can kick around over ill drum rolls with the kick, snare, kicks and high hat. Skilled in the trade of that old boom bat. I can do a trick with the opposite breed. I used to down 40s and smoke green weed. Now I'm doing shows with half loop down. Now it's time for me to take you uptown. It's like that, man. It's like that. 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 It's like that.